Big Sills. Yes, sir, baby. You know. Tone knows. Jacob Sports knows. When it's football season, you know why? Elliot Spitzer Shore guy. WIP gives you the daily rundown of Jalen Hurts. Let me read it. Six of ten. Two touchdowns. A lot of PBOs. What's PBOs? What what's 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 PBOs? Or is that RPOs? What it, here, here. Tone's got to decipher. R, RBUs. What's RBUs? What? Punt? Buck? An upchuck? Oh, no, that's for Donovan McNabb. What's PBUs? According to Elliot Spitzer Shore. What, what is it? PBUs. I really, I don't know what that is. What is PBUs? Oh, and by the way, his grade for the day? A B. Past breakups. Thank you, Quan. I knew you were good for something. Past breakups. Look at you guys. Holy cow. PBUs. Past breakups. Yes, sir, Reed, man. We get the absolute scoop from Paulie Shore from WIP in Philadelphia, the sports leader. Well, that's soon to be us if it's not already. But I mean, wow, graded first practice a B. A B. Jalen, you suck. We're already seeing a guy make a step backwards, according to Elliot Spitzer Shore. Six of ten. Two TDs. Shit, if I added up all the touchdowns from a year ago, he threw 47 or something in practice. Hey, you know it's game day. It's game day, baby. By the way, Seth Joyner, 5.30 Eastern, will give his, give us his monthly class and give us his thoughts on the upcoming season, the first day of practice. Past breakups? We're now counting? Jesus Christ. <laughs> Holy shit, man. Oh, by the way, Justin Herbert must be a better quarterback than Jalen Hurts because he got more money. Is that how you look at it? Jalen got his money. This guy got more. Is he a better quarterback? You think Justin Herbert's a better quarterback than Jalen Hurts? Well, he's a better passer. A superior passer to Hurts, but is that going to translate into winning ball games? We'll see. Now that he makes 26 or 262.5 million bucks comes out to 52 something 
Sorry, that's beyond my math, you know? That's beyond my math. Woo, he must be better. Lamar Jackson must be better. No, wait a minute. If Jalen's so good, how come he didn't set the market? You know, when everything is said and done, by next year this time, Jalen Hurts will be like the seventh or eighth highest paid guy, and that contract will be under market value. Isn't that crazy how the quarterback position and the value of that position goes up? It seems every – hey, get this. Every deal it goes up. Every deal it goes up. You're a running back. You're begging. You're begging for incentives to be put in your contract that you can't hit so that you can make a couple extra measly bucks. That shows you where that position is. The running back position is there. Quarterback position's there. And some other ones too, man. Defensive tackles, offensive tackles, cornerbacks, edge rushers. Nick Bose is barking for $30 million plus. Chris Jones is barking for $30 million plus. Look at that contract, too. By the way, so before we start and get into how I see a lot of teams reporting, a lot of teams first day of practice today, and we're going to talk a lot of Eagles here, obviously. But can I ask you something? You tell me if this is good optics. So you took a complete shit on Saquon Barkley in New York. By the way, this is great for Cowboys and Eagles and really commanders. This is great for those franchises. How do you think the optics look at this? You took a shit on Saquon Barkley, right? You gave him 900 grand in incentives that I don't think he'll hit. It's basically the same deal. Of the franchise tag. I don't know why you signed it. I mean, I I don't get it. You signed a franchise tag, basically. You think your value is going up next year? You'll have one more year on your resume, and you'll be a year older. So do you truly think your value goes up? Dude, you depreciate. You depreciate more than a Honda Pilot. If you're a running back in the NFL today, as soon as that thing gets driven off the lot, you're down 14%. The Giants aren't going to come back and give you a new deal. So guess what they do? Tone, everyone, get this. So after you take a shit the previous day on Barkley, he's got to come in and all the teammates there have to pat him on the head and pat him on the ass, tell him it's okay, we really need you, we really love you. The New York Giants signed a $117.5 million deal with their offensive tackle. And they give them $67 million in signing bonus money. The next day, I don't know about you, but if I'm Barkley, so let me get this right. Everyone around me got paid but me. And I'm the centerpiece in this offense. You paid the tackle? You paid the quarterback, and the reason they got paid is because of me. How about this? I'm not saying you shouldn't have paid the tackle. What's his name, Thomas? I'm not saying you shouldn't have paid him. But do you do it the next day, giving a guy $67 million in guaranteed money, and that's his signing bonus money? 
at a $117 million deal. The next day after you took a gigantic shit on your star running back. Boy, the Giants, I'll tell you what. It And, and get this. So this is what we've learned. The Miami, Dol- the Miami Dolphins offered two number ones for Barkley, and the Giants said no. They don't want to pay him, and they're paying everyone else around him. I don't know about you, but they need a new PR department. And they need to do things a little bit better. How about this? How about quieter? Because how you've handled yourself completely differs to what and how people are handled in Philadelphia. That is the optics of it is horrible. You wouldn't get this. You wouldn't give Saquon Barkley a million dollars more, but the next day, you give a signing bonus of $67 million to your tackle, Andrew Thomas. You gave $49 or $46 million to Daniel Jones. And you threw crumbs at Barkley the next day. Dude. <laughs> I don't know about you, but the New York Giants are not well run right now. John Mara is not Wellington Mara. You know that Ford versus Ferrari movie? When Enzo Ferrari looks over at that executive, I think it was Lee Iacocca, who was working at Ford at the time. And if you've never seen the movie, it's a great, it's a great centerpiece because Ferrari was out of money and they had to get Fiat to buy the place so that they could continue. Enzo Ferrari looks over at Iacocca and goes, make sure you tell Henry Ford. He's not Henry Ford. He's Henry Ford II. (laughs) John Mara is the same here. He ain't Wellington Mara. He's not Wellington Mara. By the way, if I'm Miles Sanders right now, man, and I'm sitting down in Carolina, I'm doing this. Holy shit, did I get the steal of the deal. Holy cow, did I get the steal. Holy cow, did I get a really great deal, man. I got a super deal. He did, man. Before all that stuff started going through this, the, the TPs and we got smoke signals being thrown out. He got the deal of the century. $21 million, $7 million a year. That guy's going to make more money than Dalvin Cook. And almost the same money as Barkley. $3 million less. Holy shit. All right. I want to show you the difference in the conferences before we get into Eagles. And by the way, we're going to do plus minuses. I'll explain here in a minute when it comes to the Eagles as they get ready for camp. We got a Jalen Hurts comment. I see that Hurts decided not to do the Netflix quarterback series. Justin Fields, I don't care. Hurts, I do. I'll explain. But I want to I show you the difference in what we've been talking about this offseason. Folks, we're here. This is it. Football season's on now. The rest of the sports world, the Messies, the Otanis, all that shit, the NBA, the Hardens, rearview mirror. Rearview mirror. Here we are, baby. NFL. 
<laughs> NFL. Okay? All right. I want to show you the difference. Let's start in the AFC. And what I'm going to do is, I'm not going to tell you. I'm not. Hey, get this. I'm not going to tell you what a record is. But what I am going to tell you, whether or not I believe that that roster is good enough to be a playoff team. Because today on July 26th, you can't determine what a record of a football team is. Because the war of attrition, you never know. You never know. Hurts injury. He was hurt the last two years. Look what happened to the Rams. You never know. You just never know. But I'm going to show you the difference in what I've been talking about to you this offseason here. Okay? I'm going to go almost thumbs up, thumbs down on this and tell you my opinion of how I see all these teams. 32 teams are now in training camp. And we're going to get to the Eagles here in a second. Promise. I'm going to start the AFC East. Playoff team? Yes. Absolutely. In the last five years, one of the best defenses. They've got a superstar quarterback. They have to win. And they need to upgrade the running back and maybe another wideout, but that's a playoff roster. Won 13 ball games last year, even with that fiasco in Cincinnati. Still won 13 ball games. Get this, you guys say this. Josh Allen really didn't play great last year, and they still won 13 games in the AFC. What happens when he kinds of when, when he pulls it back and plays even better? Which I think he can. That's a great roster. Dolphins. Do they have a playoff roster? Absolutely. We all know the story here in Miami. Quarterback's got to be healthy. The defense has to play a tad bit better. Jets, playoff team? Yeah, that's a playoff roster. Yes. Patriots, playoff roster? Top 10 defense? Thousand yard rushing, pretty good pass rushers, little little small in the secondary and especially at corner. You got a playoff roster. Now again, will all these teams make the playoffs? No, but they got a playoff opportunity. Is where I'm going. So every team in the AFC East has an opportunity to make the playoffs. That entire division. That's one division we've talked about. Okay, let's move over to the AFC North. Bengals, I think Bengals and Eagles sound like a pretty good bet for the Super Bowl. Sure, they got a playoff roster. The next gigantic contract you read about will be Burroughs. Ravens, absolutely. They have a playoff roster. Defense has to step up. You got an MVP quarterback. Steelers absolutely have a playoff roster. Broncos, or excuse me, Browns, absolutely. Quarterback has got to play better than he did a year ago, but that's a playoff. So every team in the AFC North has a playoff roster. Again, obviously, Not every one of these teams is going to make it to the playoffs. 
But so far in the AFC, the entire East has a playoff roster. The AFC North, every team in that division has a playoff roster. Let's go to the AFC South. Jags, absolutely a playoff team. Absolutely. Charge. Absolutely. When you're talking about, okay, I would say this. Um, the South, the Jags, absolutely. Do I think the Colts? No. Who else am I missing? Who else am I missing in that AFC South? Who am I missing there? In that South, AFC South. AFC South. Yeah, Jameson, yeah, Chargers in the West. Titans, that's it. That's it, Titans. Are the Titans a playoff? That's right. I wrote down Chargers by accident. Are the Titans a playoff roster? Do you think the Titans are a playoff roster? Borderline. They could win that division. They could win that division, the Titans. They battled it out with the Jags a year ago. The Colts and the Texans, I do not believe, are playoff rosters. So I think the Jags and the Titans have a playoff roster. Let me just put it to you this way. If the Titans were in the NFC, they might be the fourth best team in the NFC. So, so far, out of three divisions, only two teams, the Colts and the Texans, are not playoff worthy. AFC West. Chiefs. Defending champs, Chargers, loaded roster, Justin Herbert, absolutely. Broncos, absolutely loaded roster. Raiders, probably not. So, in the AFC, you only have three teams that don't have a playoff roster. They're the Raiders, the Texans, and the Colts. Those three teams, in my opinion, what's the significant thing? Quarterback change and almost every – well, no, all three quarterback changes. Garoppolo, the Colts with Richardson, and the Texans with Stroud. Three teams in the West do not have a playoff roster. Every week, that means you're playing against a formidable foe. You don't have a week off in that conference. You don't have a week off. What a powerful conference the AFC is. Now, let's go over to the NFC and see how many true playoff rosters I think they have. Now, again, you only have three teams in the AFC that do not have playoff rosters. 
you might win 11 games this coming year and not be playoff qualifying. You could win 11 games this year. And that may not qualify you for the playoffs. Remember the Patriots won 11 games one year and they didn't qualify. It was the year Brady got hurt and Castle was the quarterback. They were 11 and one or they were 11 and five and didn't make the playoffs. The Jets, no, the Dolphins with uh, Chad Henning won the division that year, the AFC East. You might, 11 wins could be the benchmark to get in. Let's go to the NFC here. Eagles, absolutely. So wait a minute too, by the way. Two divisions, every team could qualify for the playoffs with the roster currently constructed the way it is. You got two teams in the South that won't and one team in the West. Every single division in the AFC will be competitive. Every single division. And the Colts aren't that bad. NFC side, Eagles, absolutely. Best roster in the NFC. Cowboys, yes. Giants, yes. Commanders, yes. I was initially going to say no, but I think they've got enough talent. They had enough talent to beat you last year. Quan goes, the commies will suck. Well, they beat the pants off you last year. They beat you by 10. That shitty team beat you by 10. Okay. Who was the quarterback again? Tyler Heineke? Tyler Heineke beat you at full strength. How's that? Tyler Heineke beat the Eagles at full strength last year. Okay. Let's go to the NFC North. Lions, yes. Vikings, yes. Packers, no way. Bears, no way. Let's go to the NFC South. Bucks, no way. Panthers, no way. Falcons, no way. Saints, yes. So you got one team in the South that will make and have a playoff roster. In the West, Niners, yes. Seahawks, yes. Rams, never. Cards, no. You have eight teams in the NFC that have playoff-worthy rosters. And in the AFC, you have 13. 13 out of the 16 teams are built to make the playoffs. That's pretty incredible. It's pretty lopsided. Here, I'll put it to you this way. 
If the Saints were in the AFC, they'd never make the they'd never make the light of day in the playoffs. If the Lions or Vikings were in the AFC, they would never make the light of day. Niners, Seahawks, Cowboys, and Eagles are the only formidable teams. Now, could that change? Obviously, the war of attrition. Absolutely. Dude, the NFC is awful again for the second year in a row. The only difference is, is that the people that are in the NFC East are playing a first-place schedule and they're playing some pretty top-flight opponents because the majority of those teams a year ago all had winning records. I mean, get this. Even, even the commanders were 8-8-1. Eight, eight and one. Nobody was under 500 in the division. So you're all playing top-flight opponents this year, and all those opponents are in the AFC. Okay? That shows you right here. You can't trip up in the NFC. Okay? You can't. That's a, Dude, you're good. Ten wins. Ten wins in the NFC could get you in the playoffs. I don't know 11 wins gets you into playoffs on the AFC side. Okay? I don't know. By the way, the Philadelphia Eagles are not going to have a week off like they did a year ago. You are not going to have a week off. Shit, your opener's not a week off. And that's the lesser of, that's the worst team in the A. Get this. That team that you're playing in the opener is the worst team in the AFC East, and they have a playoff roster and a great coach and a coaching staff that's superior to yours. Put that all in context. And like Yale said, it's Brady night. God knows what that's going to look like. What an absolute... Gauntlet of teams in the AFC. NFC? Shit, and I'll say this to you. Cowboys lose Dak for any significant period of time. Hey, and I'll make this point to you also. If the Eagles lose Jalen Hurts for any significant period of time, their roster could still carry him to the playoffs until he got healthy. If you're in the AFC and he gets hurt, your season's over and you're a top five pick. So you're going to have a little bit of latitude. You could maybe be 10 and 7 and make the playoffs if you sustain a significant injury. You're going to have a little more leeway. That's important. That's important that you have leeway. There's no leeway in the AFC. Your season could be over in the first four weeks if anyone gets significantly injured. Aaron Rodgers goes down, Jets' year is over. If Jalen Hurts is out four weeks, they could probably sustain that in the NFC. Not in the AFC. If Hurts played in the AFC and he got hurt, season's over. Season's go season's over. So it, I'm not ripping anything here. I'm saying that the teams, the elite teams in the NFC, have a tad bit more latitude to get through the war of attrition. Okay? Okay? 
Let's get into the Eagles as they had their first practice today. Barring the Elliott Spitzer Shore shit about giving Jalen Hurts a grade of B today for his practice, which is obnoxious. And I guess it's clickbait shit because I don't know what that means. Jalen Hurts could throw 17 picks today. And would that change my opinion of him in any way whatsoever? Moving into day two of practice, zero. I don't give a shit if he throws 88 picks and has one touchdown in the next four weeks. That has no bearing on anything. Is he prepared? Is he ready? Is everybody going to be hitting on all cylinders? Is everybody going to be meshing? Are they working on things that they need to improve on? That's all I give a shit about. Because you don't have the time of three weeks, four weeks or two days anymore to get yourself ready. To me, this is about honing the things that you've been working on in the offseason and getting yourself ready mentally for September. No longer is it to get your body in shape or to get your team in shape. You have to be already in shape. If you're going into camp now in today's NFL and you're not in shape, you're behind. And the coaches are going to see that, and that's how you lose your job. So here, let's do this. Cam Jurgens was named the starter. He hasn't earned it. And rightfully so. He's the experienced guy. That's not winning a position. That's starting day one on the depth chart because you are the veteran. That means nothing. Jordan Davis is here longer than Jalen Carter. Well, he should be. But those are given to you, not earned. Okay? Those are named starters, not earned starters. He hasn't earned anything. They haven't accomplished anything, those two men. The coaches and the organization looked at them as veterans and put them in those spots. That's not a given. Davis has shown nothing. Jurgens is incomplete. The organization is right to do this, and most do, 99.9%. The veteran guy gets to start. Yell goes, Sirianni said they're rotating running backs. Yeah, because you don't have one. You got one dude that's worth a shit. The rest of them are depth. You got one guy that's worth a shit. Okay? One guy that will fit on first, second, or third down. The rest of them, whatever. Okay? I want Swift on the field as much as I can. Why? Screen game. Running in between the tackles. Another decoy. Another good player. He's a good player. He's the only one worth the shit back there. I like him. Okay? Via our lads. Alameed Zaharis is ahead of Quez Watkins, the kid from Atlanta in the depth chart for the slot receiver. They're normally accurate. What's your thoughts? They're pushing Quez. Because, quite frankly, Quez Watkins, as we've said the last two days, are you comfortable with him at number three? Obviously, they've been watching the show. If one of, if, if one of those receivers goes down, like AJ or Devontae, and Quez is your number two, and, and by the way, 
the kid from Atlanta, if you look at him from year one, two, three, and four, he's improved his catch total, his target total every year. He's gotten better. He's not a bad football player. As a matter of fact, between him and the kid they got from the Saints at DT, those are good, quiet picks that could benefit you later on this year. Quez Watkins, the only reason that he's in Philadelphia is because he's fast. It ain't his hands, and it's not his toughness. He's a marshmallow. Quez Watkins is a marshmallow. But the but it's speed that keeps him there. There's nothing redeeming about Quez Watkins that I like. Nothing as a player. He's soft. He doesn't fight for footballs. He has horrible hands, but he's fast. All the things that it takes to be the three guy, he ain't it except for speed. It's the only reason. My opinion, with this being said, I would make this point to you. Quest is going to have to battle to be on that 53-man roster. Rightfully so. He's a marshmallow. He's a marshmallow. How many times did you, especially in that Dallas game, when they got that football taken right out of his hands? Got to fight for it, son. Okay? Plus, Quez is in a contract year. He's owed nothing. That guy, quite frankly, is like a stone in my shoe. It's annoying. He's annoying. He's annoying in that huddle. He's the softest thing on that team, actually. By the way, am I saying anything wrong? Yale says he's playing for his career. Remember something, Yale. 4-2 always keeps you on a roster somewhere. 4-2 keeps you. The only reason he's in, it ain't his hands. It's not his toughness. It's not his route running. What keeps him in the league? He has no intangible on being a good receiver except for his speed. He's a better version of Devin Allen. Okay? Guy's a marshmallow. So that doesn't shock me. And we, we kind of pointed out. And I, we, we all know they watch the show and they've been listening. If one of those receivers goes down, you don't have depth at that position. Listen, I think the kid, though, from Atlanta, I think he's a pretty good player. I think he's a pretty good guy to have at that three-hole. I'm all right with him. I thought he was good in Atlanta for what his role is. Now, is he a two-one? Absolutely not. We're not talking about that. Okay? We're talking about him in the three-role. Can you make a cat here? Here's what you want out of that three receiver. Ready? My three receiver better beat your nickel cover guy. And on the other end, my three nickel guy and nickel coverage better not get beat by the number three wide receiver. Because the number three wide receiver can beat you. Because you have lesser talented guys there. Brady made a career out of that. 
Okay? Just saying. Quez Watkins has not one redeeming quality in being a wide out except for speed. He's soft. He's a marshmallow. Horrible routes. He's not tough, but he's fast. Tell me I'm wrong. And here, here, here's the Tones point. Quiz can't even return kicks and punts because he's so soft. No redeeming qualities except for speed. That just tells you right there. Most guys, most guys break their bones in special teams. The Eagles are so afraid to put them on there that some guy's running down there like a bullet and decletes them. And the guy gets hurt that they won't even put him on a punt return. How do you not put a guy who runs a 4-2 on a punt return? How are you not at least experimenting with that? You know, all the things that I thought maybe uh, Devontae Smith might have coming into the league because of his build, Quez's. All that speed and no breaks. All that speed and no toughness. Dude, one thing about playing pro football, you don't have to be the greatest guy at your position, but you got to have a set of balls on you. They tried putting him out there, but it literally runs sideline to sideline. Yeah, because he's afraid of contact. He's afraid of contact. 85 wants to put Rashad Penny in the punt return. Yeah, he'll be hurt. He'll be hurt on the first punt. Let's just try to get that guy through week one before we start talking about punt return for Rashad Penny. I'd like to see him make at least five games this year, which I don't believe he will because he doesn't. Hey, the only place in Philadelphia where you're going to get the honest takes are right here. I could sit here waving pom-poms and telling you that Quez Watkins, you know, he oh, he's a good guy and it's a good position to have him in at the three-hole. He's soft. Seriously, he's a marshmallow. All right. Enough with a guy that I don't care about. Let's move on to, we're going to do something here, pluses and minuses. Okay? And guess what? Because we just had a conversation about a guy I could give a shit about in Quez Watkins, I'm going to actually, for the first time, start with the pluses here. Okay? Because I want us to get into a good mood because you know why? You are the team to beat in the NFC. There's no question about it. The Philadelphia Eagles are the team to beat. Okay? And... Here, I would make this point. Of all the contenders in the NFL this year, all 32 teams, I would say, the team that made made the least noise were the Eagles. And the team that sustained the less damage because of free agency was the Philadelphia Eagles. They did everything. Again, I thought there was... I thought there was going to... I said on March 13th that this team had no shot of making the playoffs. And then after free agency and watching the way they did the Hurts deal, something I don't like to do, I'm wrong. The devastation and the earthquake was not as substantial substantial as I thought it was going to be. Okay? 
They did a good job, but the conference also helps them because the conference is still getting terrible. But the Eagles are getting better. This is what you have going on now. The Eagles' projection is going like this. The NFC is going like this. All the talents on the AFC side. There's good defenders on the NFC side, though. And the team, it's top-heavy. This is what you have the difference between the AFC and NFC. It's top-heavy in the NFC. It's deep in the AFC. That's what you have. That's the difference, which means you don't have a week off in the AFC, as we said. Okay? And I agree, the East has improved. And you know where it's improved? Look at the coaching. When, we, when you look down at this, Sirianni, Mike McCarthy, Dable, and Rivera, every single one of these guys is an outstanding coach. Three of the four went to Super Bowls. That's where you're getting better. I think the Giants are in chaos, if you ask me, though. Okay? I think they're, I think they're, I think they're in chaos. The shit they're doing, that it makes no sense on a daily basis. You take a crap on Barkley, the next day you give your offensive tackle, Andrew Thomas, a $117 million contract with 67 guaranteed after you pissed all over Barkley. And prior to that, you gave your quarterback, who's a stiff, 46.6 or whatever the hell it is. Makes absolutely no sense to me there. I like that, Greasy. I agree. I think the Giants are wobbly. We're going to talk about all these teams. Big questions for the entire league. All right, let me let me get to the pluses and minuses of the Eagles as they started their practice today, as we get ready for the exhibition season and also September. And I do want to start on the positive side, okay? Outstanding run game. Dominant. Dominant. And plus, it's their identity. The Philadelphia Eagles' identity is not Jalen Hurts. It's the toughness in that old line. That's the identity. And it's been the identity of the Philadelphia Eagles, whether it was an MVP candidate in Carson Wentz or Jalen Hurts. The identity of that football team is how they knock people off the ball. That's who they are. And you want an identity as you go into camp. So many teams search for that identity. What's the identity of the Alliance? I don't know. What's the identity of the Cowboys? Dak? Okay, kind of. That's why you're wobbly. The Giants? I don't know. Barkley? I guess. We're kind of a suspect old line. I mean... The Eagles are that. You're dominant. You're tough. Everything they do stems off that old line. Stems off that old line. Darman goes like this. The identity is Howie Roseman. Howie Roseman doesn't put a mouthpiece in. Howie Roseman sits up there with a cup of ice, sucking on it all day long for 60 minutes of football, looking at what guys he hired. It's the guys on the field that create your identity. Not a guy up there with ear pods in, drafting guys, and eating filet mignon. The guys on the field are your identity. 
That's who you are, Howie Roseman. If Howie Roseman's your identity, you're the Cowboys. Because the Cowboys' identity is Jerry Jones. Can't win a championship from the owner's box. Or the general manager's box. He picked those guys? Great. The identity are the players on the field. Let's run to Philly Philly. Go ahead. That's not from Howie Roseman. That's from those guys making decisions in moments like that. And giving your team an identity of beating people up. Dude, you could draft everybody you want. You could talk about all the people that you think are going to be good. You could kiss the ass and the Kobe Dean all you want. He got to go out there and play. Identity's important to me. It's how you win ball games. It's who you are. Don't deviate off it. It's dominant, too. They're a dominant team because of that old line. They run the ball well. The the quarterback sneak. Shit, man. You want to know how pissed off people were at you in the offseason, the Philadelphia Eagles, that they were debating in the competition committee to stop the quarterback push because the way you guys dominated that. Well, you know, I think it's an unfair play. Why? It's been around for 120 years. Why are you upset now about it? I guarantee if Kansas City or the Cowboys came up with it, everybody'd be cool with it. But because Philly came up with it, it's a problem? Get off my ass. and Get out of my backyard. Hey, I'm feeling a little frosty today. You know why? It must be because it's the first day of camp. And I saw the Poly Shore stats. Jalen got a B today. (laughs) WIP ranked Jalen's day today a B, just so you're keeping score. And we're going to keep a running tab on that, too. Elliot Spitzer, Polly Shore, Jalen Hurts. What is it? I got to make sure I'm right. Six to ten, two touchdowns, but he got a B today. Because, hey, what's the, what's the P? Passes broken up. That's right. How many were there? How many passes broken up were there? Game of, game of B, though. How many did he have with the passes? I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> Wait a minute. Philly 500 sent that shit to me. Hey, don't forget Seth Joyner today at 530. Hang on for a second. Let me see this here. What was it? Yeah, um, he sent it to me. Pretty good day. Lots of good pass. What, what's the PBUs again? What's the PBUs and quarterback runs? What's that PBUs? I got to go back over here and read what Tone said. Pass breakups. Okay. They tried putting him out there. But <laughs> okay. Just, yeah. You know, I, I got it. I got it. Pass is broken up. <laughs> a B, though. Uh, hey, uh, he got he got a B. Got a B today. Just so we're keeping score here. Okay. Your receiving game. And what we're doing here, we're looking at all the positives going in the training camp that you guys have. 
and the minuses, okay? Your receiving core, cutting your tight end, outstanding. Brown, Smith, Goddard, not a lot of depth, but I will say this about this. The key to improving your pass, get this, guys. The key to improving your passing game is not through Brown, Smith, and Goddard. How are you going to improve your passing game? Your number three wide out and your running back catching passes out of the backfield opens up more passing lanes. These top three guys, fantastic players, all in their own right in the top 10 in the league at their respective positions. That's not enough, though. Okay? Because in an RPO offense, very rarely do you have two guys making an impact at the same time in the same game. It's because there's a mismatch out there in the RPO. Devontae Smith will have a great game. A.J. will. Maybe they don't have linebackers that can cover tight ends coming up to steam. But the one thing that has been escaping this offense, and it's because of the RPO system, is that you don't have a screen game to save your life. Every NFL high-powered offense, every NFL that struggles especially in the run game, has a screen game. Brady made a 25-year career out of a screen game and a short passing game. You don't have that. That's why Jalen doesn't throw the ball around the yard like the rest of the quarterbacks do. He throws the ball around 400 times a year. Everyone else that these elite quarterbacks, they throw it between six and 700 times. They almost double him in attempts. There's a reason. These quarterbacks are screen-oriented, play-action pass. See, and, and know this. I heard Sal Palantonio on today with uh, the sports take guys. You don't have an RP in an RPO offense. There, there's, there, there's no play action. There's no play action. He's going down the line of scrimmage, reading the end, or he's reading the safety or linebacker, and he's determining whether to to drop back, to run it, or to throw it. There, there's, there's no. There, there's there, there's no play action. That's not part of what RPO is. You don't run RPO and play action. That's why he had a high percentage last year. He didn't have to go through progressions. When you have play action, you're reading progressions. He didn't do it. It's an RPO offense. Again, you're trying to combine what Burrow and Allen and Mahomes and all these other guys, that's not what's in the makeup of that offense. That's not what that all, you don't run play action off that thing. He doesn't have play action. RPO offenses, Bruce Arians came on the show and told you, you can't run play action off it. So when people say that, the screen game you can get and you can develop You can develop a screen game, which can kind of go along with being a play-action type. Hey, you drop back, flare it out to them. Let those backers and corners have to 
come up on the line of scrimmage and defend that, which means that Devontae and AJ are running wild in the zone. You can do that, and I think they're going to do that. Okay? I'm not going to debate this. RPO is run first, then pass. It's not play action. Boy, man, people are stupid if they think that. You can't have everything in every offense. Like Patrick Mahomes doesn't run RPO. You can't run all that off that offense. Anyway, okay? I think they have to improve the number four and number, or number three and number four guys in a screen game. Okay? I think that's where they have to go, where they have to improve the passing game. Because can you imagine this? If DeAndre Swift gets 50 catches, what you're going to have a receiver with 100 catches out there somewhere, either Devontae or AJ. Those guys are going to be so wide open. If you add another component to your passing game, three catches 40, your back catches 50, that's 90 catches. Dude, his percentages will be higher because they're they're more of a uh they're low turnover plays, screens, screens, right? Are 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 not high turnover plays. 35 yard passes down the field. Those are high turnover plays. No risk it, no biscuit. That's why you see low percentages with the guys that are chucking it down the field so much and high turnovers. That's what you see. Okay? Common sense. Try to go with me here and try to follow along. I know we're here to help. And as we get to the quarterback here, I would say this. Best RPO quarterback I've ever seen run an RPO system. He's the best passer in an RPO I've ever seen. His decision-making is fantastic, and he makes decisions not to be statistically rewarded for it. Like I said last year, one of the most impressive things um, about Jalen Hurts last year was watching him the way that he'll take an incomplete pass, throw it out of bounds, and not have to throw the thing down the field, not to have a turnover play so that he can – Make sure that you punt. You play another series of downs. He does a great job of decision-making out there. He's not going to put his team in a position where there's going to be a turnover or you're hurting your team when it comes to field position. He's going to, he, he's really great at it. And he's patient. He's getting more pay. See, that's where I want to see him improve and continue to improve. I don't give a shit about the numbers. I care about his improving on decision-making. I thought last year he was almost flawless. My problem was the Chicago game. When they were running those stupid-ass RPOs into a 31st-ranked defense where you could get killed where a team met nothing and you got your quarterback banged up. Dumb as ever. Dumb as ever. Worst play calling in history. Why in the world, with the number two running attack, do you run your quarterback against a football team that's got nowhere to go and you get your guy killed and almost lose home field advantage. Why would you do that? And can I tell you the next week? Tone, check it out. Check out what the Bills did the next week. Allen threw for like 140 yards, and they ran for like 200 in that game because they weren't going to get Allen hurt. 
They were the second worst rush defense in the league last year. But there's the Eagles running RPOs with their quarterback. Because you know why? He's their best back. And last year, he was their second best back. It made no sense. Why would I run my quarterback when I'm working on home field advantage? They wanted to win the Bears game. I could give a shit if they lost the Bears game. He can't lose Hurts. It's dumb thinking. It's dumb thinking. Let's get to Monday with Hurts. Not the first down with Hurts. Stupid as ever. Okay? Bahamut goes, Hurts was the only guy. And by the way, too, Bahama, I saw some basket passes he threw in that game. I came away from that game going like this. Hurts is tough as hell. And get this, the touch passes are coming around. I actually had a pretty good opinion of him, and I thought some really great things of him coming out of that Chicago game, even though we got banged up. I thought it was like this. How about those basket catches he was throwing? I was like, holy shit, this guy's developing a touch too. It's gotten better. Okay? I thought he looked good, man. And culture. There's a great culture in that offensive huddle. There's a super culture in that offensive huddle. So the pluses of the team going in, here they are. Philadelphia Eagles have the best roster, not the deepest. They are not as deep as they were a year ago with experience. They're not. Now, by the end of the year, could they be more talented? Again, that's potential, which means you haven't done it. It means you haven't done it. Potential is the most overrated word used in sports. I hate that word, especially when we're talking about a guy like Rashad Penny. Hey, he's got great potential. Five years in, that's not potential. That's wishful thinking. That's wishful thinking. Quarterback's right. Culture's right. Outstanding football team on that side of the ball. Outstanding. Outstanding. Now, I would say this. Are they as deep as a year ago? No. They got to figure out the right guard position. Could it be a factor? What's On the scale of eruptions, what's the replacing of Isaac Sayamalo on the scale of eruptions on concern? Six and a half? Probably. Sayamalo was a good football player. Sayamalo was a good football player. Okay? Replacing Sanders? You're replacing two pro bowlers. You understand this, right? You're replacing a guy. Okay, like I said, you got one dude and you got a box of Skittles in your running back room with the rest of them dudes, whoever they are. I, you know, as a matter of fact, until somebody shows me who they are, Swift's the only guy. The rest of them, whatever. They're nobodies. Okay? So you got, you got a bunch of bums back there as far as I'm concerned. And you got, but Swift's good. I'm a fan of this guy being on the team. I like him. Can he replace 1,300 yards and 11 touchdowns? We'll see. <laughs> yeah, the Eagles have a box of Skittles as running backs. 
they're all good, you know, kind of like not really though. You know, I mean, I like the yellow ones. I'm a big fan of the red ones too. Okay. But you got to cover 1300 yards and 11 touchdowns. Okay. All right. We're going to do the minuses in hour number two. We did the pluses. See, we started out all good. And Elliot Spitzer Shores, um, PBUs. I hadn't heard that one before. Pass is broken up. There's a new stat. Do people just make this shit up? I got to call. Hey, that's what we need to do. We need to come up with some new stats like these guys over at WIP. That's hilarious. Six of 10, two touchdowns. A lot of, lot of good looking runs. A lot of PBUs. Oh, and a grade of a B for Jalen. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Holy shit. First test in, man. He passed. Unbelievable, man. First day of practice, he gets a B. That's damn good. Way to start, man. He gets a B. Hour number two. Hit the like button. We'll do the minuses next. Keep it here on the National Football Show. Stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV. Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement. But would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. All right, did you know I was the Mommy Slam Dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, go to left. Fake a mom. Mama, go up, oh, mama. She did it. 
again. You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh huh. E A G L E S. Eagles. Big Sales National Football Show. Appreciate you coming aboard. Seth Joyner at 5.30 Eastern. couple questions before I get to the minuses now of the Eagles as they get ready for camp. Um, how many people believe that Jimmy Garoppolo will be an upgrade on Derek Carr in Las Vegas? Will he be an upgrade? He wins a lot. Kevin says it's a wash. Well, he's cheaper. Garoppolo wins. Carr doesn't. Derek Carr's kind of a version of Kirk Cousins, too. And Dak. A lot of numbers. Not a lot of success. Garoppolo is 5-2 and two in the postseason. You could say whatever you want about Jimmy G. How about this? Garoppolo's 10 times more um, accomplished than Jalen Hurts. Five and two in the postseason, NFC Championship game, three of four years, three of five years. Um, has a 47 and 16 record as a, as a guy that is a quarterback in the league. I mean, he's been in longer, obviously. So again, we're still early in the book that's being written about Jalen Hurts here. But we're we're I mean, he he's accomplished. He's done a lot. He's won a lot. Hey, and you can keep going like this. Hey man, you know, well, you know, he will throw picks. Okay, well he throws the ball more. Really? So even 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 tone. Well, I don't know, Sills. Is it a bit of a push? But again, Jimmy G's playoff success is a huge part of it. I think Carr's more talented. He is. He is more talented. But how many times do we see talent not fulfill the destiny? Just because you're more talented doesn't mean you're a better quarterback. Aaron Rodgers is more talented than Tom Brady. But Tom Brady's a better quarterback. Josh Allen, Josh Allen is more talented than Jalen Hurts, but will he have a better career yet to be determined? And so far, I don't know yet. Joe Burrow looks like he's on his way. I don't know. Boomer Sison so much has done what Joe Burrow's done already. Consider Boomer one of the elite guys in the history of the game, and he's my friend. I don't. Just saying. Just because you have more talent doesn't mean you're better. Isn't that funny? I think that sometimes collides with people's opinions of people. This guy's more talented. Well, he's not better. He's not a better player. You want to hear something crazy? And again, a small comparison before we get to the minuses here. Do you know the only person to have a winning record in the postseason versus Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, and Michael Jordan is? Do you know the only guy to have a winning record 
in the postseason. Do you know who that guy is? Who would you guess that guy is? Just because you're pretty doesn't mean your your wife maritable. That's right. Do you guys know who that is? Who's had the most success against all of those guys and a winning record in the postseason against them guys? Isaiah Thomas. And Isaiah had less talent around him. He never had really a number two. Joe Dumar, sure, okay. Isaiah. Would you consider Isaiah better than any of those other guys I mentioned? No. Doesn't matter, though. It's about winning. (laughs) It's about winning. How many times do we see... Look, how many times do we see lesser guys, positions everywhere around... Like, would you... could. Would you look at Cooper Cup and go like this? Let's compare him to Devontae Smith for a second. If you had to pick between those two guys as you wanted to build the wide receiving core, would you take Devontae Smith or Cooper Cup? Who would you take? Which guy would you take? Devontae or Cooper Cup? He's a good player, too. You take Cup? good route runner, quick twitch guy, really good hands. I don't know, something about Devontae, though, that I'd take him over him. Because outside of that one year, I don't know, pretty suspect numbers. I mean, how about this? Not suspect numbers, but pretty pedestrian numbers. Hunter Renfro's got pretty good numbers like that. Had a super year. But again, one year doesn't make a career, Jalen. Or, excuse me, you guys. Like, I wouldn't consider Cooper Cup to be better than Devontae Adams or Tyree Kill or A.J. Brown or D.K. Metcalf or Justin Jefferson. I would not look at that and go, he's better than, I, I, don't, I don't see it. I think he's good. Greasy goes, got banged up. What about the years prior to that? Again, Everyone looks at that one season and goes, well, my God, this guy's he's, he's, he's unbelievable. But again, if you look at Cup's numbers, Cooper Cup stats. Here. Let's see, first year, 62 catches, 869. Second year, 40 catches, 566. Third year, 94 catches, 1161, Dante. Fourth year, 92 catches, 974. Then, of course, the epic year, 145, 1947 in year five. And last year, 75 with 812 catches. Outside of that one year, he's a dude. Those aren't special. Do you know today in the NFL with 17 games, if you average 1,000 yards, you got 56 yards a game. Is that great? Is that special? Are you paying a guy $25 million because he gets you four catches and 56 yards? You think that's special? What A.J. Brown did last year was special. Reese goes, I'll take him. Go ahead. I'll take Hunter Renfro. Oh, how about this? Let me ask you something, Greasy. 
he'll take Cooper Cup. Would you take Amendola and Edelman, or would you take Cooper Cup? Who would you take if you wanted to win games? Cooper Cup or Edelman and Amendola? Who would you take to build your wide receiver core? Who would you take? Tone, who would you take? Would you take, what core would you take? A.J. Brown, Devontae Adams, or Amendola and Edelman? Or Welker, who would you take? Well, the guys that I would take have superior success than the guys you have in Philly. Are you kidding me? One guy's an MVP in the Super Bowl. Those guys win ball games. The passer has to pass it. The guy has to catch it. Not one of those guys were drafted. You got two first rounder or a second rounder and a first rounder. Okay. You take them. We'll agree to disagree. You go, well, they got Brady. Well, Justin Jefferson's got a guy who gets him the ball. They ain't winning. What happens in the playoffs? Those guys catch footballs. They don't drop them. There's no drops. Remember something. The most reliable position in the NFL is quarterback. Because if you don't have a good group that could catch the football in traffic, tough games, tight games, you're not going to win. And you can have all the talent on the planet, all the great quarterbacks on the planet. You could be Peyton Manning and have Marvin Harrison and Reggie Wayne. So wait a minute. Tone, let me put this out there. So let's make it even. Peyton Manning had Marvin Harrison and Reggie Wayne and Dallas Clark. Brady had Edelman, Amendola, and Gronk. He gets one of the four or one of the three. Oh, and by the way, he either had Marshall Falk or Edron James. And Brady won more. Both quarterbacks, kind of comparable. Brady had the lesser group. Not one of those guys going to the Hall of Fame except for Gronk. Get this. Here's something to think about when you guys are talking to me about receivers that are talented and so-called A-plus guys. Tom Brady will have not one guy but Gronkowski that he won Super Bowls with, go to the Hall of Fame. Manning will have four players he played with go to the Hall of Fame. Edwin James is in, Marshall Falk is in, Marvin Harrison is in, and Reggie Wayne will soon be in. And he won one. And Brady won six. With two dudes that weren't drafted and Gronk in the second round. It's because you got guys who have the first-round draft choice tags 
and the big names. That don't mean you're winning anything with them dudes. Again, this talks about talent again. Keep telling me, well, that guy's more talented. And those guys were more talented than the guys in New England. Peyton won two. He didn't win two with Marvin Harrison, Reggie Wayne, Dallas Clark, Marshall Falk, and Edgerin James. You might want to look back on that one, Derek. He never won with those guys. Two Super Bowls. He went to two and got beat by the Saints. Okay? He won that other one in Denver. Those guys weren't up there. Oh, oh, oh. look at Tone pulling something out. Wow. Down in the apex, Tone pulls this out. Brady's an anomaly. Oh. What other quarterback receiver group has done what Brady has done besides Mahomes? Interesting. Interesting. Huh. Boy, that must have been a high-powered offense in Baltimore with uh, Rocket... uh, What's his name? Rocket's brother and Anquan Bolden. Those guys... I, I mean, Shirley, uh, Shannon Sharp, but what a wide receiving group. Ishmael, Quadri Ishmael, um, Anquan Bolden. <laughs> I, I'm not shitting on Anquan Bolden. I'll never see the inside of a Hall of Fame unless he's paying for it. Yeah, that's your that's your that's your bench that you're talking about in. Who were the wide receivers when, when Joe Flacco won? I can't remember. Who were the who were the receivers in Baltimore when um when when Joe Flacco won? I'm I, I forget. Who were the wide receivers in New York when Sims won those Super Bowls? Can you name me one? Was it Mark Jackson? Who else? I forget. Damn. Who was who 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 were those receivers on those LT Giant teams? I don't even remember. I, I, I can't actually think of one. Huh. And who was on those Bucks teams? They're at oh <laughs> wow, another one. Well, it was the arrow of the running back. Okay, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. All right. So let me get to the other end of this. Don't forget, Seth Joyner will join us in hour number three at 5.30 Eastern time. We did the pluses as the Eagles had their first practice today. An amazing update from WIP's. Elliot Spitzer, Polly Shore. It was tremendous, man. Uh, just to keep everyone, in case you come in and out, we know some of you are new in and out here. He got a B today. Just, you know, we'll keep, well, by the way, at the end of his semester, we're going to have a bell curve for Jalen and we'll give him a grade according to Elliot Spitzer Shore. So that's what we'll do. We'll, we'll give him a, a running grade on what WIP sees Jalen in his um, six of 10, two touchdowns, a lot of good runs. 
And a lot of passes broken up. Jalen got a B today. Yeah. So we'll, we'll have a grade at the end of the semester. You, you don't need a blue book for this. So we're good here. Okay. All right. We did a lot of the positives. There's so many positives going into the 2023 season for the Eagles, man. But by the way, I would make this point to you. And the Eagles have so much going for them heading into this year. It's great. And when we're talking about the Eagles, we're not talking about uh, 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 see here. Here's the difference, guys. You're in a position now where you're fine tuning. There's other organizations that are taking giant chunks out of the marble. You know what I mean? They're trying to mold their team, and they don't even know what it looks like yet. The Eagles know what they look like. They're here, and by the way. They know they left that game on the table in Arizona. They know they did. They let that thing slip away. They had it. They were a better team. They were a better roster. But they weren't prepared to win. I don't care what you say. Well, Jalen played right there. He was a – you didn't win. You don't get credit, like Tone says, for putting your name on the test. But they were right there, Sills. I know you were. Isn't that always the case when you're going against greatness? You're right there. But what happens? Just like the Seahawks. Just like the Seahawks. Why are you throwing that pass on the one-yard line against the team that practices plays like that at the one-yard line? And Malcolm Butler jumped the route, and he knew the play was coming. Because he had a key that they had practiced that Friday going into the Super Bowl. God, we were right there to win. I know. I know. That's why they have six. Because they're right there. I know. You know how many teams are right there? But why is it always that those teams win? Because they're better prepared than you. That shows you have to do uncommon things to be special. You just can't be great. Those teams are special. And their preparation. But Sills, we were right there. Our offense was right there. Special teams led. I know. Isn't that always the case? I know. I know. Those are called off-ramps to excuse Phil. That's what those are called. Excuses. That's what the off-ramp looks like. Yeah, but our special, let us down our decoy. I know. I know. All the failures Andy Reid had in Philly, he ain't, it, that, that's not happening. That's not happening now in Kansas City. I'll tell you one thing's for sure, what Andy Reid's doing in Kansas City. Andy Reid, in Kansas City, is maximizing Patrick Mahomes more than he maximized the talent he had in Philly. Because there's no let-ups and there's no slip-ups in KC. And it doesn't matter what that roster looks like. As long as they continually challenge Mahomes every year. Can't have excuses. Champions don't make excuses. They make results. Okay? You don't have excuses. Champions don't talk what-ifs. 
Have you ever heard of a champion talking what if? Hey, maybe if this happened and that happened and the turf was this and this shit and that and that and we had Brock Purdy and we were, I mean, dude, champions don't talk like that. Champions go like this. That's why Jalen not being in that Netflix is a great thing because you know what those things are set up for? Excuses. Finding glitches in the armor. Getting out of routine. But we're going to get to that here in a minute a little bit too. We're going to get to that. All right. Here are the minuses going in the training camp for the Philadelphia Eagles. We did the pluses in, week, in the first hour, I mean. Okay. Here is the concerns going into the first practice today at Novacare. The entire heart of the defense is inexperienced. Um, it's a concern. And it'll be a concern for me. And we're going to bring Seth Joyner on in hour number three. And I'm going to ask Seth Joyner this question. How long did it take you to learn the system that was being asked of you? And he played on gangrene. And he was the captain of gangrene. He's the guy that set the fronts. He's the guy that knew what he had to study. He's going to tell you what it takes to be an MLB, a middle linebacker in the NFL. And that's where we're going to start our classroom. And that's where we're going to start our homework is with Seth telling us and tell us about the challenges that the coordinator and the quarterback of the defense has not ever, ever working together, never being in games together, never watching actual game film together, not going over adjustments together, all of that. And I haven't even talked about his ability yet. Obviously, the Eagles believe he's got the ability to be in this position. He is the biggest question mark on that football team going into camp. And the ability for Desai to work with him. You got a first-year coordinator, kind of. He got a little bit up in Chicago. Okay? And you got a first-year starting middle linebacker. I don't know how you think that starts out on a positive. Okay? It's not a negative. It's a question. Okay? Sal Palantonio even said he's concerned about Dean taking over. Again, we're the first, I think, right, Tone? To bring up the fact a couple days ago, maybe... Four or five days ago, I think the biggest mistake that Howie Roseman made in the offseason was not bringing Edwards back. And to me, if they had Vic Fangio and you have a new MLB, I kind of would be cool with that. And this is why I think Desai was the third choice. And I think this was kind of like mop-up duty after the whole fiasco with Jonathan Gannon. Because nobody in their right mind replaces your quarterback and a coordinator at the same time. And a guy who's never played. Nobody does that. I've never actually seen that. Okay? JM goes, Patricia will help Dean. Well, then who's the DC? Patricia or Desai? So, who does Patricia answer to? 
Is Sean Desai really a coordinator? Okay, well, I mean, again, I, I, I'm not, I'm not making an indictment on anything. I'm just saying, I'm pointing out the obvious. You guys, you know, I saw somebody in the first hour goes, "That uh, Sills, the, the king of the obvious." Yeah, well, every time I point this out to you, you guys go into a meltdown. You guys go into a meltdown. That's a problem. Or, or here. Let me take that back. It's not a problem yet. It's a major concern. We haven't even seen it in action yet. Let alone whether or not he understands and comprehends it. Hey, and just because you went to Harvard doesn't mean you're the number one surgeon at Harvard Medical. I don't care how smart he is. Can he play? And is he good enough to take all the intel in and understand it. How can you think he can understand it when he's never done it? Okay? I mean, Sills, Loki goes, Sills, I think you'll be walking these statements back in mid November. Good! Okay, Loki, what statements? What statement is over the line? He's never started a down. He's now the starting middle linebacker in a defense that's going to be new to some extent because the new DC's in the building. He's got new personnel in front of him and behind him. What is not, what is walking back? What is walking back? Walking back what? This is not an opinion. This is what it is. On July 26th, walk what back? The truth? What kills me is you guys want me to make fairy tale statements about November. I don't do that. We are here today. The players in front of him, behind him, and Dean will dictate whether or not that statement is true or false. Or if he's improved from July 26th. It's about the player improving from July 26th. Not my opinion. My opinion has nothing to do with it. Today on July 26th, he's inexperienced. He's never started it down. He's played limit. He's got a new defensive coordinator. He's got new guys in front of him and new guys behind him. Case closed. Case closed. Loki goes, he looked great in plays he was in. What, the 13? It's a dopey take. New coordinators. Or new coordinators on both sides. Um, concern. Every coordinator that's, you know, you know what they're saying in Buffalo. Here, what what's the take in Buffalo for the Bills? Somebody sent something to me about what the Bills are saying. Oh, here, this is what they're saying in Buffalo. Will the Bills take a step forward in year two under Ken Dorsey? Dorsey's got heat on him. 
They didn't like the way second half football was played in Buffalo with Dorsey being the coordinator. You think that coordinating changed from Dable to Ken Dorsey? Oh, I see. You guys change out your coordinators. That won't be a factor. Buffalo changes out a quarterback, offensive coordinator, and it's a problem in Buffalo, but not in Philly. How dumb. How dumb. You're not, you're not immune to the same comments that Buffalo is going through. You're not immune to that. Well, because it's Philly. That's stupid. So? You were a different football team when Frank Reich left. No matter what you think. No matter what you think. Dude, that's the comments going on at Buffalo. Hey, you think Ken Dorsey and the offense take a step forward? Well, I hope for my friend he does. Because if not, it ain't going to be Josh Allen that's going to take it in the shorts. It's going to be Ken Dorsey. He'll be fired. He could be. Hey, Ken Dorsey, in my opinion, I think it's a 50-50 proposition if that guy makes the year. Because if that team gets out slow, they'll change out. Look at what McDermott did already. Because his ass is on the line too. Okay? They got to start winning AFC titles. Get back to the Super Bowl. For this thing to be successful. Dude, you sign a check for $46, $48 million a year? You just can't show up to the parade. You got to be the main float in it. Okay? You just can't show up. Um, Again, the new middle linebacker, um, I think, is a huge problem. How about this? I think it's a huge question mark. I'll take the problem comment away. I'll take the problem comment away. And I'll and I'll put and I'll put huge question mark because he's not a problem as of July 26th. That, that's my opinion. That he's a problem. So it, that's unfair. Okay. I can't turn around and tell you he's never played, he's never started, and call it a problem. Okay. I think I think it's an issue. So I think that's got to be fair, okay? I mean, we got to be fair to it, to the process. So problems and opinion, issue is truth when we're talking about this. Yes, Robert McCoby. Aging corner. And a cornerback in Darius Slay, who personally, this is an opinion, no, actually, let's start here with facts. He didn't play well in the second half of the year, and he didn't play well in the postseason, and he didn't play well in the Super Bowl. Those all became trends. Three games is a trend. He trended towards the end of the season, not playing very well. And for whatever reason, because of name recognition and because of the success of the team, there's still a notion out there because, as usual, nobody really keeps an eyeball on the Eagles. That guy turned out to be a problem for the Philly defense in the end. He wasn't an asset. He became a problem. And his insecurity in the offseason magnified that because they saw them looking at Gardner Johnson and Bradbury more than him, and his ego got in the way. 
He wasn't even a free agent last year. And there was a report from Fox Sports and everyone else, including NBC, Philly, and everyone that said the Eagles were releasing him. Well, he jumped the gun on that. Probably saved his life in Philly. Got more signing up, upfront money. Lowered his base, as we said yesterday. He wasn't a free agent, and he did all that. Talk about ego issues and talk about lack of Talk about insecurity. Because he knows he didn't play well. Okay? Tygo Sills just wants to talk about Slates. You must think he really played great. He sucked in the Super Bowl. Yes or no? How many people believe that Darius Slate played well in the playoffs and in the Super Bowl? He didn't really have to do anything in the NFC title game. Christian McCaffrey was a quarterback. So how could you tell? Okay. The last month and a half of the season, he was terrible. That's not a that's not an opinion. Put the game film on. Look at the 22. Watch him. False steps, got beat a few times. But remember something, too, about that defense they played last year. They refused to play, for whatever reason, they decided to play some man coverage in the Super Bowl against stiffs like Juju Smith-Schuster, and they got beat. They're not, they're not man cover corners. That was the rub between Slay here. I'm not sure you guys know the rub. The rub between Slay and Patricia was because Patricia's a man coverage defensive coordinator. He thinks you're covered, your corners, like I said before, Stefan Gilmore's 10 times the player that Darius Slay ever was. You know why? He's a man cover corner. He's got more skill than him. The two corners in Philly last year played center field. Get back underneath. You didn't have to worry about it because you played shitty quarterbacks last year. Okay? That was the rub why he got traded. But they're not going to do that again this year. So he's going to, he's getting $15 million to play center field. And they tried that shit in the Super Bowl. Andy Reid had them guys out there running into one another. It was kind of like Keystone Cops. I thought I was watching a silent movie. Guys running into one another. Second half, they ran those crossing routes. The defensive backs in the secondary were so confused. It was stupid looking. And here's the issue, too, that I have with the team going into camp. I would say depth. An experienced depth. Jack Driscoll and probably Steen are going to be your backups in the O-line. Last year, it was Driscoll and Dillard. Did you upgrade or downgrade? Yet to be determined with Steen. I don't know. Driscoll just got a pretty good contract to Tennessee. You call him a stiff. I, no, I'm not going to call him a stiff because if you don't start in Philly in the O-line, that's not a horrible thing. It's littered with stars. So if you don't start in Philadelphia in the offensive line and you're a good football player, okay. That's why he got that contract. Okay. They did move off him. How he wasn't going to pay big money for a backup. 
Uh, and get this, how he looked at it like this. So you weren't going to sign Driscoll or Dillard. You'd rather go cheaper with younger players, guy in a first-year deal, and draft a guy to replace, say, Amalo, and instead of signing Dillard. That's a decision they make money-wise. Because if it were me, I would have signed Dillard and had Dillard play right guard. But for whatever reason, that didn't work out. That didn't work out, and they let both walk. Okay? You're not as deep now in the O-line. Say Amalo is a great player. They let him walk for two inexperienced players on cheap deals or rookie deals, however way you want to look at it. Okay? Your defensive tackle. By the way, I'm not ripping them on not paying $20 million to Devon Hardgrave. Okay? Fair enough. I, look, Hardgrave, Quentin Williams, not remotely close. Not remotely close. Quentin Williams is five times the player that Hardgrave is. Five. The guy with the Giants is a better ball player, Dexter Lawrence. And I saw the Eagles knock him off the ball a few times. I think Dexter Lawrence is a better player than Javon Hardgrave. I don't think Javon Hardgrave is a very good run defender. Okay? And it panned out last year. You guys weren't the best there either. You were below average. And now you've got more inexperience. You got a guy you're not sure in Jordan Davis. You got a guy who's never played in Jalen Carter, who I'm very high on. I like Milton Williams. And we're all talking potential again. Ton of inexperience. We mentioned the linebacker. Ton of inexperience. Your safety position. Ton of inexperience. The entire heart of your football team has no experience except for Fletcher. That's it. And that won't be a factor. And your coordinator's new. Those are the those are the minuses going into the playoffs. Bears goes, Dan, you think we hadn't made the playoffs in 20 years the way you covered the Eagles? Again, you must have missed it, Bears. Once again, I said this to you. Those are concerns. They have talent. The NFC blows. That's why I started out by telling you 13 of the 16 teams in the AFC have playoff rosters. About seven teams in the NFC have playoff rosters. It's not deep. You can't have an off week, which means you're more prepared. You know, as many people think, and it's funny, they look at um, Russell Wilson. How many people think that Jalen Hurts could just go into the AFC with a lesser football team, with the money he's making, and do the things he did in Philly in the AFC? I do not. <laughs> I do not. If you put... Jalen Hurts on that football team in Kansas City, they might win eight games, nine games. You put Mahomes on that Eagle team, they're undefeated, scoring 50 a night. Scoring 50 a night. So you're telling me Mahomes never gets hit. He's got 2,000-yard receivers, and he's got a tight end that could also be 1,000. He'd throw for 8,000 yards. They'd never lose a game. And it'd be 30-point blowouts. 
of all the quarterbacks in the league, I would say Burrow, Herbert, Hurts have a ton of talent around him. I don't really think that Allen has a lot of talent around him. He's got Diggs and who? I, I, Mahomes has nobody but Kelsey. Has nobody. And he has Reed. Okay? I mean, everyone's making this kid Pacheco sound like he's a superstar. He's a superstar because the quarterback is one of the great players in the history of the sport. That's why. So again, to Bear's point, he goes like this. You make it sound like we haven't made the playoffs. Gee, guy, did I point out anything that wasn't factual? Or did I put an opinion on anything? Where did you hear the opinion? The Slay comment about him running out of gas? His play dictated that. You lost experience at the guard position? That's a fact. You have to replace 1,300 yards and 11 touchdowns in your backfield? That's a fact. You're, you're young in the heart of the defense? These are all facts, my friends. This is not anything I'm making up. You want me to sit here like the majority of 99% of your Philadelphia sports media ringing a bell, making it sound like everything is great. I'm telling you that this is going to be more of a challenge. I'm telling you they're not up. I'm saying this. It's not that they're not up for the challenge. But some of you are expecting 14, 15 wins. That's high expectations. You should temper yours. Do I think they can make it to the NFC title game? Yes. Do I think they have the best roster? You must not have heard that in the NFC. Yes. But you don't have the depth you had. Your defense is completely new. You're not having 70 sacks. How many? Hey, let me ask you this. Oh, that's right. I forgot. How many sacks you have in a Super Bowl? Oh, that's right. It was the field. I forgot. I forgot about that. Right. I forgot um, the off-ramp excuse. It was the field. Even though the Chiefs played on it, too. And they had a sack strip and a scoop and score off it. I know. It it must have changed over and flipped over for the Chiefs when they were on and they were playing defense and offense. They must have flipped the field when they were doing that. It's how stupid that sounds. It's one thing if you were playing one week and then the next week, you could kind of make the excuse. But when the same teams are playing on the field, don't bring that shit up. It's stupid. Okay? You sound like Niner fans. Well, you know, our guy here, this and that, you know? Yeah. Sure. Chris goes, agree, Sills. 100%. How can we be better on defense with rookies? Look, it's a good question. Chris, here's where I say that you could be better. Could Javon Hardgrave, again, this is potential talk. Could Javon Hardgrave be a downgrade to Jalen Carter? He better be, and yes. Could Here, here watch this. I'm going to show you all pie-in-the-sky shit here. 
And then you tell me if this is wishful thinking. Will Jordan Davis be an elite player, which means he's not now? Will Jalen Carter be an elite player in an upgrade to Hardgrave? Unknown. Will N'Kobe Dean be an elite player? Unknown. Will your safety position have good players back there like a year ago, like Epps, and in the slot, CJ? Unknown. Will your right guard position be a problem? Unknown. Will your running backs make up for 1,300 yards? Unknown. Do you want me to continue? I don't know. And I didn't even give you an answer on any of that. I, I just named you one, two, three, four, five. I just gave you seven things. And all seven of those things you're going to need to beat Mahomes if you're going to want to win a Super Bowl. Do you understand where we're coming from? Bear goes like this. You make it sound like we haven't beat and been to the playoffs in 20 years. If you want to win a Super Bowl, dude, you've got to cover those things. One more time. You had a better roster. You had a deeper roster. 22 guys that started in September played in that Super Bowl in February, and you lost. But we were right. I know. I know. Special teams play here, like Tone says. A scoop and score. Field shitty. Here, here. You want to sound like Niner guy? Field shitty. Scoop and score. Oh, you should have looked at the film a little more. I know. I know. Special teams play. I know. Yeah, I know. It's a good point, too. Tone goes like this. Hey, dude, Sills, last year is rear view. That's why I haven't brought last year up. Except for this, you were more experienced last year. This year, it's a brand new chapter in the book of the Philadelphia Eagles. And it's a different look chapter. You were not the same team. How about this? You could, you might be better. You might be better. Let me take a time out. Don't forget, our friend Seth Joyner is going to give us a classroom. And he is going to give us some lessons at 5.30 Eastern. Hit the like button. Keep it here on the National Football Show.
Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go birds! Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go and go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. the greatest fans on earth it's a bold statement but would you expect anything less from philadelphia 58 years of heartache creates a toughness a grit a resolve not found in most sure our prayers were answered but now that we've had a taste we're looking for more pondley hockey official partner of the philadelphia eagles all right, did you know I was the Mommy Slam Dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really, don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready, all right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, go to left, fake a mama. Mama, go up, up, up. She did it. Again? You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh-huh. E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. Mike Sills! Jeff Joyner, 5.30 Eastern Time. Boy, you guys bitch and moan and cry a lot about talking about being great. You think you guys just show up with a piece of paper with a roster and think you're going to beat Mahomes. You thought that in February, and you got your faces kicked in because of it. You got sent home with an L. I'm trying to tell you what it takes to be a freaking champion. It's uncommon things you have to prepare for. Jalen Hurts knows exactly what I'm talking about. That's why there's more people that sit in the stands than are on the playing field, because you don't get it. I am not a cheerleader. Never been, never will be. Do you know how fun it is to... Here, let me hook you up on something else. Do you know how fun it is to cover your football team? Do you know how fun it is to cover your football team? How would you like to be covering the Dolphins? Or the Falcons? or the Panthers, or the obnoxious Cardinals. Terrible. Or the shitty Bears. Good night. Your season's over in week three. The Eagles have been... A gold standard since 2000. Okay? That's fabulous. 
holy cow, you really think that I talk shit on a football team? I'm talking about some of the things to keep an eye on this year for your team. And some of the things that reared its head against some of the elite teams. Jalen Hurts has never beaten an elite quarterback. Sure, Rodgers, that whole thing with the Packers was a train wreck a year ago. Okay, he did. But he's never beaten anybody else. And for that matter, your coordinators get crushed in games like that with elite quarterbacks. The first year that Jalen started when they were playing against all them other guys, like Derek Carr was 90% completion percentage. Last year, Dak was horrible. He was 80% against you. You make it sound like you've been beating these elite court. Where? Who? So now Cousins is elite to fit your narrative. I thought he was horseshit. I thought he was horseshit. They went to the Super Bowl a year ago because they did their job. They pounded shitty teams. Nothing on them. They don't make the schedule. They don't make the schedule. They pounded shitty teams. Now you're lining up every week against either great coach teams or elite QBs every week. Every week. Well, yeah, you know, you you look at Seattle like you think that's a layup. You're 8-3 and since 2000 there, and you got to go to Seattle, one of the more tougher places to play. Good luck on that. I personally think that's an L. I do. I don't think you're going to Seattle and winning that game. But, hey, we'll see what happens, and we'll see what the um, roster looks like in Seattle and in Philly. I love this format because regular viewers have to be accountable for what they say in the chat. Here, Well, here's something I said last year. All the things I said about your – all the things that I said about your football team last year, what was the one thing that I said that was different than anybody else? I said you're going to the Super Bowl. I said you were going to the Super Bowl. This year, I tempered that and said you're going to the NFC Championship game. And I do think you're going to play Dallas in the NFC title game. You play Dallas in the NFC title game? Okay, we'll see what happens there. Let me ask you this. So you guys think you would have beat Dallas in the NFC title game if the Cowboys made it? When Dak threw five touchdowns on you and Jalen was hurt? Do you really believe you would have beat the Cowboys with Jalen not being able to throw the ball the way we were told by Peter King? He told Peter King he could barely raise his arm. You think he would have beat the Cowboys? I don't think so. Because you would have had to have made plays in the passing game. And Jalen was hurt. Look at look at look at tone. I want to believe it, Sills. <laughs> That's cool, dude. That's so hey, dude. I, I I don't want to temper that. I don't want to temper that. I I don't. I I. Callie Green goes. This is funny. Really, 
What success do you think you've had against Dak Prescott? Again, I'm talking facts. That team beat the piss out of your secondary. And he was terrible. Coin flip, James. James, I'm probably with you on that one. Okay? So wait a minute. So Maniac goes, he was hurt in the Super Bowl too. Oh, maybe that's why the scoop and score happened, because Mahomes was hurt too. And that guy was so unconscious in the second half. The only reason the Chiefs aren't scoring against the Eagles is because the clock ended. (laughs) Weapon goes, AFC looks like the SEC, and the NFC looks like the Pac-12. More like Conference USA. (laughs) Well, the Pac-12, you see that TV deal they got, Weapon? I'll be shocked if the Pac-12's around in five years. How about this? I'm more on the coin flip, too. Okay, I'm more I'm more on the coin flip too. I'm with you on that one. I I I, I that would have been an inch. How about this? Tone, do you give this to me? Do you give this to Damn Mahomes is a different breed. Okay, maniac. Well then why is Dak eight and three versus you? Is he a different breed too? Is he a different breed? Is 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 Dak a different breed? Dak owns you. Owns. Pink slip and all. Guy's eight and three. He's thrown for three thousand yards against you in eleven games. Do you understand that? <laughs> okay. He threw for five last year. Eagles will win the East back-to-back for the first time since 04. I believe it. Dak owns our backups. Jalen owns the Cowboys' backups. Apply it the same way, my friend. You own Cooper Cup. <laughs> oh, no, wait. What is it? Cooper Rush. Sorry, I get my Coopers wrong. Cooper Tire. Cooper Rush. Cooper Cup. <laughs> yeah, hey, Jalen owns Cooper Rush. Mm. That's how you do it, baby. He couldn't own Tyler Heineke, though. You know, Daniel Jones has got a W on Jalen. That's sad. Daniel Jones has a W on Jalen. Seals, do you have a favorite team? No. No. No, I do not. I've always, hey, it's it's a great question. No, I don't. You know what I like? I like watching players. Like the Randy Whites, the Reggie Whites, the Lawrence Taylors. That's why I look at like guys like Michael Parsons and I go like this. I'll tell you on the Eagles who I like watching. Josh Sweat. Jalen's fun as hell to cover. I like this guy, A.J. Brown. I love Goddard. I love him. I can't wait to see what happens with Jalen Carter. Hassan Reddick's interesting. He is. Slay's a shit talker that 
doesn't have enough gasoline for me to continue my comments with him. Bradbury's consistent. So he, he's a guy you kind of ignore a little bit, and that's the best thing you can do for a player, isn't it, Tone? I don't have to worry about Bradbury, so I don't have to really cover him because you know why? Nobody goes there. Those are the guys you love on your team. Guy doesn't get a lot of exposure. Why? Because nobody goes there. They go to Slayside. Okay? Hour number three is coming up. Seth Joyner is going to join us at 530 Eastern. He may join us sooner. Hit the like button. I got some NFL questions I want to ask you. We'll take a look around the league a little bit. And I got a Jalen Hurts question. Okay? Power Hour. Keep it here on the National Football Show. Imaginations run wild and time stands still because here you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Hi everybody, my name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech, we offer three major services. The first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. Exhale, 
Bills National Football Show. Seth Joyner will join us at 5.30 Eastern time. And we will start our classroom right around that time. We look forward to talking to our friend and can't wait to get his thoughts as the Philadelphia Eagles open up practice. Training camp was yesterday. First day of practice was today. And um, Elliot Spitzer, man, I love these statistics here, man. He really goes knee deep into really giving you a thorough look in his coverage of the team for WIP. Six of ten, two TDs. Holy shit. What an absolutely eagle opinion coming from Elliot Spitzer Shore. PBUs, I learned about them today. I believe those are passes broken up. Thank you, Tone. Everyone else, too. Pretty crazy. Had a lot of good runs. Pretty crazy how he looked at it and said, man, he was really moving around well. And he gave him a grade of a B. So, way to get off the board. That's that's how you get going there, man. Absolutely. I'm going to give you a Jalen Hurts question here in a here in a second. Should I do that now? Yes. Let's do that now. So Jalen Hurts didn't want to be part of the Netflix quarterback series. And Justin, I guess from what I understand, he turned it down twice. Justin Fields. It, Justin Fields being part of the quarterback Netflix series, I go, I don't care. I think that guy's got a big hill to climb in Chicago. And, I, hey, by the way, I like the kid. I think he's doing everything he can with the limited talent he has. He's Tyrod Taylor. If he's better than Tyrod Taylor, I'll be shocked. I'll be shocked. He's not going to be better than Tyrod Taylor. Tyrod Taylor was a pro bowler. He wasn't a bad quarterback, and he isn't a bad quarterback. But he's not better than Tyrod Taylor. We had a thousand yards rushing. So what? So what? He doesn't make plays from the pocket. He runs for his life. That's the team. I get it. But he's got no shot at development in that city or in that organization. Quarterbacks don't flourish in Chicago. There, you know what? If the Eagles were behind in the passing game with the new NFL rule changes, Chicago is like decades behind. They're decades behind. Decades behind and developing an offense. An offense that matters. Okay? Crazy. Let me ask you this. So Hurts not being in that Netflix. This is why he'll never be the face of the franchise. Or he is the face of the franchise. Face of the league. Okay? He's as boring as Brady. Brady wasn't the face of the NFL. Manning was. Manning was the face of the league. People put Peyton Manning in a higher regard. Tom Brady was never the face of the NFL until the end. When everyone looked up and went, 
Look at what he's accomplished. Look at how he's being consistent year in and year out. Look at how he keeps winning. Brady was never truly spectacular. He put up excellent numbers every year. But what is the one signature play in a Super Bowl you remember him making? Early on especially. What, lining up Vinatieri? How many, how, ma- how many times did he line Vinatieri up to win Super Bowls early on? Brady evolved into that guy. Maniac, I'm, I'm, I'm going to ask you, you think it's good or bad? And in today's NFL, where social media and presence is important to promoting, is that a big deal or no deal? You have to come to grips with this. I, I, I told Tone this. You have to come to grips with this. Jalen's never going to be looked at. And I've pointed these things out to you the last two weeks as the rest of those guys. I think he likes it that way. Brady did. Why do you think Tom Brady, every draft that comes around, posts his draft pictures and posts when he was drafted, 260, whatever it was, and in the sixth round? Why do you think he does? Because it eats at him still. That signal, that single thing in Tom Brady's life was the catalyst that propelled him to be who he was, in my opinion. Because you know why? It's the one thing every year he brings up is that he wasn't a first-rounder. He wasn't even a second-rounder. He wasn't even a third-rounder. He was a camper. He is Tanner McKee. Shit, Tanner McKee may be drafted higher than him. He may have a higher draft number, Tanner McKee, than Tom Brady. That's who he was. So wait a minute. Tanner McKee was 199? Don't tell me that. Tanner McKee was drafted higher than Tom Brady? Tanner McKee is looked at as a better prospect than Tom Brady was. That's insane. You guys are looking at Tanner McKee and going like this. This guy's a stiff. So did they look at Brady like that? Brady walks up to Bob Kraft and goes like this. Hey, this will be the greatest decision you've ever made in your life. He was right. He was right. Tom Brady was driven. He didn't have him. Hey, Tone, this guy didn't have a chip on his shoulder. Tom Brady had a lumber yard on his shoulder. And I think Jalen plays with that lumber yard. Think about the no noise he had around his career in New England. No noise. Wasn't on social media. You never saw him do commercials. You never saw him do interviews. You didn't really see him do shit for 20 years up there. Kind of like Hurts. 
Hertz is taking the page out of Brady's playbook. And get this, it's boring, it's unassuming. And get this, for a brief moment, he was the highest paid guy. That's something Brady never had. Brady was never the highest paid player in the history of the sport he dominated. Imagine that. Tom Brady was never the highest paid player in the league. In a sport he destroyed. All-time wins, postseason, regular season, Super Bowls, MVPs. He's the greatest NFL player of all time. How about this? He's the most accomplished NFL football player that's ever lived. And he was a six-rounder. Nothing beats that. And now, he's a billionaire. That's a Hollywood movie. They hated Brady at Michigan. They hated Brady at Michigan. Lloyd Carr did everything he could to give that job to Drew Henson. All right. I got a couple NFL questions for you. Seth Joyner, 530 Eastern. Let's do a couple NFL questions. We did the Bills one already. Let's do this one. How much better do you think Daniel Jones gets in New York this year? How much better do you think Jones gets second year in a system under uh, Brian Dable now? How much better does he get? See, to me, I don't think he does. Here's why. I think you got the book on the kid. I think you got the book on the guy. Jam the tight end. Stop Barkley. Make him beat you. He can't beat you. You have no receivers to stay anything up right now. The wide receiving core is a bunch of who's who. The tight end's not bad. When healthy, the running back is good. The O-line is about a 7 on a scale of 10, maybe 6.5. I make that guy beat me. Can you imagine that? Hey, Jalen beat me. Well, he will. In New York, that guy can't win a division title. Daniel Jones cannot win a division title. I don't give a shit what New York thinks. Daniel Jones is not going to win a division title. He's a better version of Dave Brown. I don't see it. And this means the coordinators have a book on him now. Last year, they saw Brian Dable install a new offense. Well, now they got the book and they got game film on him. You're not going to surprise anybody this year. And you didn't do a lot to upgrade. I want to see this. I think New York takes a step backwards and Washington actually takes a step forward. I think there's more talent. Would you not agree, Tone, you too. Would you not agree? I think there's more talent in Washington. The quarterback might be better in New York, but I think there's more talent in Washington than in New York. 
I think they have more talent. I mean, and and I think they got good coaching. Shit, how about this? That's a great point. Who said that? About um about Marcus Marcus Mariota or um Daniel Jones. I don't know. I'd like to battle that out in camp. I don't know. Dude, Sam Hell has a better year than um than Daniel Jones. I'll take Jacoby Brissett has a better year than Daniel Jones. My money's gonna be on Brissett because I think Brissett's the better player in Washington. That's the hype guy. Okay? He's the Sam Howell's the did I say hype guy or white guy? He's the hype guy. Brissett to me is the guy. Okay. <laughs> oh, I said hype. Okay, good. I thought I said white guy. Just trying to keep it fair here. Tanner McKee can beat out Daniel Jones. Dude, I, I mean, Daniel Jones, I, you really think Daniel Jones makes a step forward under Brian Dable in year two? Why? He, he played four good games last year. <laughs> okay. Sure, man. How about this one? How many people think that Sean Payton is going to fix Denver? Does Sean Payton fix Denver? I'm going to say yes. Because he fixed Breeze. And the Saints were a competitive team for numerous years. I think Peyton fixes Denver. Okay? And they make them a contender for the playoffs. They got a, they got a good roster. And I'm going to put my money that I do think that Sean Peyton fixes Denver. Okay? right here's another one here's one that i think that i'm could be one of the top three questions in this coming year todd munkin the new oc in baltimore what's lamar jackson gonna look like this year under Todd Munkin. Think about it. So the guy won an MVP. He led the NFL in touchdown passes. He's won a shitload of games in Baltimore. What again was wrong with the offense? And and Lamar Jackson? Like, this is supposed to be some new offense and you retooled an offense that a guy was having high success in and... He just made a $250 million contract. What was wrong with the offense again? They want Lamar to throw the ball more? Why? I don't want Jalen to throw the ball more. I want Jalen to be Jalen, whatever that means. If it means he's got to RPO it more, okay. I thought it was about the W's instead of the passing attempts. Dude, that notion that you have to have more passes to make you look better 
and have better optics. That's not coaching. Are you trying to sell tickets? I mean, what what in the world? I mean, are you I, okay? Now, if you're telling me you're concerned about his health, okay, so you're going to take a part of his game away from him that makes him elite. Well, then he's not elite anymore. If Lamar Jackson can't take off when he feels like it, he's not elite anymore. Yale goes, I don't want my quarterback running anymore. Well, then Lamar Jackson is not in the elite class of quarterbacks any longer, and he will not have the year people think he will have. You're taking, like Dick Vermeil says, a portion of the guy's skill set away from him that truly makes him different than Mahomes. And how about this? Jalen Hurts and Lamar Jackson have to be different than Mahomes because he's they're not Mahomes. They're not going to win games throwing the ball 50 times from the pocket. Both of those guys. That's not going to happen. So they've got to beat him with their skill set. That's the complete difference in the conversations between, hey, Patrick Mahomes can't run. If Patrick Mahomes gets his arm hurt and he can't throw the ball, he ain't winning games either. I was like, okay, so you changed that entire offense around. Okay? You changed that. Here's Seth here. You changed that entire offense around. Seth is five minutes behind. He's going to be right here. Tone, so he'll be on his way here in a second. Ben says Lamar will be MVP. Scott, what was wrong with the offense? Let's take a look at that. Lamar Jackson stats. What was wrong? Let me see. Hey, 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 guys. Lamar Jackson's 45 and 16. Um, he led the NFL in touchdown passes. Second year with 36. He's got 101 touchdown passes. In four years of starting, which isn't bad. And he's only got 35 interceptions. So it's two and a half to one. And you think it needed to be fixed? Okay. Okay. Uh, Now, if we're talking more screens and shit, okay. All right. Sure. Here's another one. How do you think that this, hey, how many people believe that it's going to take a little time for the Eagle defense to gel. How long do you think that's going to take? How long do you think that's going to take the Eagles to gel on defense to where it looks like kind of a year ago? How long do you think that'll take? A couple of weeks? How long? This is not science here. Just they will need at least until week eight for it to look like something. And get this, right, Tone? That's defense. Do we not agree, right, Yale? Six weeks, three weeks? Okay. Do we not agree that offense is more complex than defense because there's more plays? If you've ever seen a playbook for an offense – It's this thick. Defense is about like that, right? Okay. 
How long do you think it's going to take the Jets to gel together with Aaron Rodgers at quarterback? You think he just gets put in and all of a sudden? So let me let me get let me let me take a look at recent history. Let me take a look at recent history. So you think eight weeks? Tone thinks eight weeks for the Jets. Think about this. Weren't the Bucks in the Super Bowl year seven and five? Am I right, Tone? The Bucks were like seven and five, right? Right? About seven. Wait a minute. Tone goes like this. Rodgers has been around a long time. Then he goes, great point. Brady and the Buccaneers took until what? Week 12? That's Tom Brady. Tom Brady, the greatest quarterback, most accomplished quarterback in NFL history, took 12 weeks with new guys. Aaron Rodgers is going to go into New York. And you think he's going to be ready to roll at the Hall of Fame game against Cleveland? That's why I say when people keep talking about the Jets being a Super Bowl contender, it took freaking Tom Brady. Look at what happened to Russell Wilson last year. He looked like horse shit. I mean, this ain't going to be that transition where people go, oh, dude, he's going to walk right in there and that baby's just going to hum. The greatest quarterback in NFL history couldn't get that to work. But you think Aaron Rodgers, who's a fruit loop, is going to go into New York with the Jets, who've had no success in 12 years, and turn that bitch around. I totally want to see that. I totally want to see that. Okay? I think that thing's going to take them a little more. It wouldn't shock me if it took them the whole year. And next year's their better year. See, I think the Jets are going to be a contender next year, not this year. Because they're going to have to get used to all this, man. Spotlight, hard knocks, Aaron Rodgers, new system. Took Brady 12 weeks to get it right. Do you remember in that Chicago game? Tom Brady didn't know it was fourth down because he was so confused against the Bears. They had a meeting, him and Bruce Arians. Figured shit out, went back to New England offense, and that was it. That no risk it, no biscuit was tossed. There's going to have to be a lot of give and take here in New York for that to work. I don't think it's going to be as easy as people think it's going to be. People are under the assumption you're just going to walk into that room and that's going to happen. I don't know about that. Here's another one for you. Barb goes, Dan, are the Eagles winning the Super Bowl this year? I don't know that. I don't know that yet, Barb. Last year I said you were going. This year I say you're going to the NFC title game. Last year you had experience and depth. This year you have a really good roster and the best roster in the NFC. I don't believe you could sustain injuries and make it to the Super Bowl, if that makes sense. 
If you lose a corner or you lose a wideout or you lose an O-lineman and God forbid any one of those combinations, you won't win the East. Last year you had depth and if a 31st schedule that favored you. Okay? There's a lot more variables this year than there was a year ago. Here's another one for you. NFL questions. Seth Joyner is going to join us at 530 Eastern. Or again, a little bit. He's running a little bit behind, but he's on his way. Can the Jags offense continue to grow in a very competitive AFC? Can they continue to grow? They got a great coach. I love Doug Peterson. I just love him. I think the influence he has on a roster, I think the kind of communication skills he has, you know, he's a better vert. I mean, I think Dan Campbell has a lot of similarities to Doug Peterson, former players, guys who get it, guys who understand it, guys who know locker rooms, guys go by gut feeling instead of just the analytics. Guys who, like, again, when they're wrong, they're human and they're genuine. But they're coming from a place of wanting to win. So you're good with that. You know, there's certain coaches like John Gruden who come from a place where he thinks he knows it all, and when he fails, he blames players. Doug Peterson comes from a place like Dan Campbell. When things fall apart, it's on him. Dude. Harry Truman didn't kill people in World War II. The bomb did. But it was his decision. Okay? Now, before I bring Seth Joyner in, here's one of my major concerns. And, you know, and I can't wait to get this lesson from Seth here. Here's my problem going into the 2023 season. And by the way, I'm not going to talk about N'Kobe Dean's Talent. I'm going to talk about this. Before we bring him up, how long did it did, did it take Seth to learn the nuances of playing defense in the Mike Backer? This kid's never seen it, never played it in the NFL. Never. He's got to make front calls. He's got to understand strengths and weaknesses, hash marks, all of that. Cover tight ends. Is he good enough? You think the Kobe Dean's covering George Kittle? I don't. And you got a first-year coordinator. Had a little experience in Chicago. Why in the world would the Eagles take out a Mike linebacker who had 160 tackles a year ago and expect this kid to step in there? You think the Kobe Dean's going to cover T.J. Edwards' 160 tackles that he had last year? That's a big ask. And run the defense? Let's bring our friend Seth Joyner in here. Seth, there's a lot of pressure on him, isn't there, this year, for him taking over that spot at Mike Linebacker with the Green Dot? Well, I think there's a lot of pressure on all of the players who are new to this defense. Um, listen, there's pressure on um, there's pressure on Jalen Carter. There's pressure on Sean Desai. There's pressure on the two safeties and the, and the two linebackers. Um, I am, Dan, in that camp of let me see what you do. Prove it to me. Prove prove to me that you can or you can't do it. 
um, before I get to a place where, you know, I want to say what a guy can't do. Um, I, I just, I've, I, I've just been around too long and experienced too much to know um, and been one of those guys that everyone doubted um, to know that there's nothing like making people eat crow when they tell me what I can't do and what I can't, what I can do. And, you know, I am the captain of my own ship. If I can put the work in, put the effort in and do the things that are necessary, um, then the sky's the limit for me. And I could care less what everybody outside is saying. All right, Seth, how long did it take you to learn the nuances of playing a Mike linebacker in the National Football League? Well, I played the Mike back on third downs. Okay. Uh, I played some Will when I was, you know, early in my career, and then I went over to the Sam backer. Um, I played a lot on the ball over the tight end, um, and then I over solid defense. Um, I was off the ball to the strong side. Um Listen, our defense was so much more complex than anything that um, that these guys today are running and doing. Um, it literally took our entire defense almost two seasons um, to get to a point where, you know, we could execute with proficiency without a lot of thought what it was that, you know, Buddy was trying to do with his 46 defense. You know, now obviously there were some defenses that were pretty simplistic and it was, you know, it, you, you get it really quick. But the whole key to playing and being an effective and productive player on the defensive side of the ball is being able to um, not only understand your job, but being able to um, study the game and study your defense to the point where what you do defensively is pretty much second nature. Now, when I can start on during game plan week, when I can start delving into the mind of defensive coordinators and delving into the mind of the quarterback and trying to understand how they're going to attack our scheme and what they do, um, I think that, that's when you've arrived. But anytime you're standing over the ball and you're not sure what you're supposed to do or where you're supposed to go, what your gap is on run to, what your gap is on run away, um, you know, that safety's not talking to you as he drops down in the box or he's dropping down, you know, on the outside and cover three. He's not letting you know whether you're a hash player or, or a flat player. Um, coaches will get to a point where, you know, they say, hey, we just need you to know what the hell you're supposed to do. You know, don't wait for that guy to tell you what you're supposed to do. You should know it. Um, so it takes some time. Um, it, it does take young players, very few young players, um, ever really come into the game and just right off, off the bat just jump in and are effective and, and ready to play. I submit to you that's probably why Nicobe didn't play a whole lot last year because he was probably doing a whole lot of getting used to the NFL and getting used to new terminology and a new defense and a new way of doing things. Um, I think it'll be easier for him this year because I think a lot of what they're going to do is going to be similar to you know what Jonathan Gannon did, I just hope and pray that it's a little more aggressive by nature. And if Sean decides press conference was any indication, then you know we're in for a much much more aggressive um, defense. Seth, don't you agree though? Compared to a year ago versus what you have now, 
I mean, you had experienced defensive tackles. Shit, Jerome didn't even start his first year in the league. I think you had um, Keith Wilkes in there, and you had someone else in there too. I forget. There were two experienced guys at the tackle position. And last year, the experience was everywhere, especially when they added Linville Joseph and they added Sue. This year, you got an experience in, in, in Fletcher Cox. You got a guy who's never played it down in the NFL. You got a guy who underachieved a year ago in a different role. Now he's going to be given the opportunity to be a starter in Jordan Davis. But then, Seth, you got a noodle Mike linebacker. And behind you, you have massive question marks at the safety position. The entire heart of the defense, Seth, you know, what you're trying to do is, you know, you're turning back everybody if you're outside in the perimeter and they got good perimeter players, you're setting the edge and you want everything to run back into the pursuit. Well, shit, man, communication might be a massive issue early on in the season here because you got a lot of guys who've never really experienced what they're going to go into, especially in the first four games of the year. Do you agree? I think on both sides of the ball because of the way that they practice. They had their first practice today. It was one hour. Jesus. <laughs> I'm not going to make a big deal about it because it is what it is. I figured I'd just throw that out there for public consumption and let you guys do with it what you will. I, I think that the offense is going to have to carry the defense, in my opinion, throughout the first four or five, maybe six games. Because you've got young guys, you've got new guys, you got a new coordinator, new terminology. Um, and given the fact that you don't, you know, practice the way that you used to practice, you know, that time to digest all of that is going to take a little more time. Now, wh why do I say, why do I say, um, you know, the, the offense is going to have to carry the defense because, listen, they were a year ahead of schedule, in my opinion, last year, okay? No one expected for that team to get to the Super Bowl. We expected them to contend to get a playoff spot, but nobody expected them for, to be the number one team in the National Football Conference and to win the NFC um, championship and go to the Super Bowl. No one expected that. Um, now there are some expectations, and why do I say, you know, that the offense may have to carry the defensive side of the ball is because defensively, the biggest piece that the offensively, rather, the biggest piece that they lost was Isaac Sayamalo. Okay. Isaac Sayamalo. Now, you've got a lot of veterans now at every other position on the offensive line. And what can you do? You know, you plug a young guy in with all that experience around him. They're going to be communicating. He's going to be clear, very clear on what it is that he's supposed to do. A.J. Brown is back. Devontae Smith is back. Um, Dallas Goddard is, is back. Every other offensive lineman except for Sam Malo is back. People um, people will go, well, you know, the, the, the running backs. Well, let me tell you, let, this is my opinion about the running back position. They got so many players at the running back position. And we know that on average, the running backs only, they only want to get 15 to 16 max touches per game, which means that the, the competition at that position is going to be off the charts. Okay. Every single time one of those guys step on the field, they're going to be trying to put their best foot forward and they're going to be playing like their hair is on fire 
because they know that their playing time is limited because of sports science. Not because they can't play more plays, but because sports science probably says 15, above 15 to 16 touches for a running back, you know, the percentages of injury go up exponentially. Okay. With all of those pieces in place, as ex- the, the Eagles going into the Super Bowl with a number two offense in the National Football League behind the Kansas City Chiefs. The only thing that stops this offense from being much more explosive than they were last year is injury. Jalen Hurts is going to be in his third year in this offense. And field position on the defense too, Seth. If the defense is not giving them good field position, that may hurt them because longer extended drives are going to be needed. Maybe. But I think that um, I think that, that offense is just so explosive. They can make I big agree. plays. They can make big, 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 big plays like that. And, Dan, I've seen games last year because I chart every play as I'm watching the game where they, they go 15 plays, 16, 17 play drives. You know, so whatever it is that they need to do, they can get it done on the offensive side of the ball. And listen, they scored 27 points again a, a game last year. They may need to score upwards of 30 this year, yeah. especially through the first five or six games until the defense finds its footing. Listen, that defense is not going to give you 70 sacks this year. No way. That, that that's an anomaly. Okay, that's like Nick Foles throwing 27 touchdowns and two interceptions. He was <laughs> never in his in his right mind ever going to do that again. And that's how I feel about, you know, the sacks. Are they going to be one of the premier pass rushing teams in the National Football League? Absolutely. Absolutely. But 70 sacks, I, I don't, I'm, I'm not. No that's way. hard for me to believe. You 45 know. to 50, I think they get this year, somewhere in there. Well, I, I, mean, think it, I, I think, I think it's going to. I think they'll be over 50. Okay. All right. Just, just, just because, listen, if they start getting into games in the second half of the season where the offense is blowing people out and defensively, you know, I've been talking about this. You know, the minute that they picked Jalen Carter and Nolan Smith, I started drooling because yeah. I wish that I could be a defensive coordinator with these pieces. I mean, when you get teams in a passing situation because you're leading, in the second half of football games, look at think, think about this five-man NASCAR package, okay? You got Jalen Carter on the nose, Fletcher Cox at 1-3. Um, no. Um, yeah. You put Davis on the five, you put Davis on the nose, no, Carter on no, the three. Not, not in the NASCAR package. You okay. can't rush the passer. Okay, okay. So you go Jalen Carter on the nose, Fletcher Cox at 1-3. You kick yep. Brandon Graham down to another three. Yep. You got Hassan Reddick on one side and Nolan Smith coming off the other side in your five men. Yep. Can you imagine what that looks like? Even in your four man, you know, you just pull BG out. Ton of speed. And you still got, you know, even if BG is on the field, you know, and you take Nolan Smith out, they're going to be a force rushing the passer. But I just don't believe um, that 70. 70 sacks again is 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 on the slate for them. Seth, let me let me throw this at you. You mentioned the running back position that's going on in the NFL. And I you know, you and I have talked about this, and I'll say this to you. I don't know what these running backs are moaning about. Why are you crying to owners in the NFL? You should be crying to your union. Your union's not doing anything to get your back on this. And NFL owners are setting the market. They're telling you what you're gonna make, and they're always gonna tell you what you make. The salary cap is communistic. 
the franchise tag I think is communistic. They're telling you what you're going to make. Can you imagine telling Jerry Jones, you can only sell your team for $1 billion. You can't maximize your talents in the NFL unless the owners agree to it. And if they do, they, they, they are silent collusion. So you're bitching at the wrong people. To me, in my opinion, you should be talking to your union on getting your back. Well, I think they had a little come to Jesus with all the top running backs and the NFL PA was there. Um, but I also but- think, Seth, it's got something what you said. 17 carries? Sorry, guy. I'm not paying $18 million for that. Well, that's that's the Eagles, you know. Derek but Henry I think that's not- a trend now because they're going to do all this shit by committee now. Yeah, but Derek Henry ain't touching the ball. 17 times in the game. <laughs> no. They didn't, they, you know, the Atlanta Falcons didn't draft that kid out of Texas to carry yep. the ball 17 True. times a game. They'll get creative and figure out other ways. You know, they're just, you know, Nick Chubb is not touching the ball 17 times a game. You know, you, you just, there are certain teams that don't value the position. Um, and that's problematic, you know, but if, you know, they set the market. The owners are the ones that set the market. If you think why would Barkley sign that deal, Seth, for nine hundred grand? Say it again. For incentives he can't hit. Say that again now. Why would he sign that contract for nine hundred, dude? The the money they put in there is nine hundred grand more than what he would have made with the tag. And get this: next year he's a year older, and he's going to have more tread on the tires. They're going to use that. If people think the Giants are going to come to him next year and go, hey, you know what? You hit your incentives. What a great guy. Here's a three-year deal. People are high. They're not going to do that. Well, listen, I think the injury, the injury is a is a portion of this dynamic that I think is, you know, really hurt him. Because I think at the end of the day, People out of their damn mind if they think that Daniel Jones is more important to that football team than Saquon Barkley. And you turn around and Daniel Jones demands $45 million and they give it to him. <laughs> give but it you to got him. a running back who you're going to feature. You're going to hand him the ball. He's going to make be the engine that makes your offense go. And you offer him the franchise tag $10.5 million. You know? So I, I, I really think I think that Saquon, you know, when it's all said and done, you know, um, I think his number, I think it's somewhere in the neighborhood of maybe 13 if he hits all his incentives and everything. And then it's like, hey, you know what? You're not going to franchise tag me again next year. If I come out here and I tear it up and I'm a Pro Bowl running back next year, you know, um, you tag me if you want to. I'll just sit out the rest of the year. I, I think he is not the type of guy to sit out. But I think if they make the decision, if they can't come to an agreement on something that's livable and doable with him, I feel like next year is the year where, you know, he he puts his foot down and sits out the entire year, lets that second year of the tag wear out, and then after that, he's a complete free agent. They have no control of him anymore. You know, I I say this, too, when, I mean, the the Giants were looking, as soon as they tagged him, they – the Dolphins called, offered two ones for him. The Giants said no. And then get this. Yesterday he walks into camp, Seth. And today they announced Andrew Thomas gets $117 million, $67 million 
uh, signing bonus, and you just just took a shit all over Barkley the day before for nine hundred grand. And get this, everybody around him, Seth, is getting paid. The guy who made that happen for Jones and for Thomas all got the money, and there he is begging for nine hundred thousand dollars. He's got to get 1,350 yards. He's never rushed for over 1,320. And they're making him put these incentives up there, Seth, that it just just seems to me, again, here's a prime example of the weakness of D. Smith taking knees when we had a guy in there, Gene Upshaw. Whatever you thought about Gene, Gene at least cut a deal that was good for the players, and it was a 50-50 split. This thing's 42-48, 52-48. Dude, this guy, man, I don't know. They don't do anything for the players anymore. That that union, we have the weakest union in professional sports. You see that guy, Jalen Brown, or that guy up in Boston got he he got all that money, 300 million. He ain't even a top 20 guy. Barkley's <laughs> crying for 900 grand. Boy, I, hey, Seth, you and me, we needed about five more inches, man. <laughs> hey, listen, man. I I think a lot of it is. A lot of it is um, you can't tell me, you know, when you look at all of these, when you look at what happened with Lamar Jackson, you look at the running back market. You can't tell me that there isn't, you know, that it's not collusive, you know, what the owners are actually doing. They're setting the markets. They're talking to each other. Don't you got, don't you dare give that guy after the Deshaun Watson contract, you know, you're now going to see teams that are, you know, speaking the same language and doing a lot of the same things. And the problem is, you know, the biggest problem, in my opinion, was hiring Marie Smith to be the executive director in the first place. Listen, there's not a no executive director of the national, the, the, the NFL PA should ever hold that position if he's never put on a pair of shoulder pads and wore a job. Plain and simple. Because you don't you don't know what you're fighting for, okay, unless you've been in that situation. Now, DeMaurice, hey, he's a lawyer. But we could retain all kind of lawyers with the money that we have in the PA. Are you kidding me? Right. You didn't have to hire that guy, you know? <laughs> and then he turned around. The thing that really pissed me off the most was last year. He decides to, you know, sign an extension. Well, he advises the guys. There's no way in hell. There's never been a collective bargain agreement more than three to five years. Ten years. Yet with a year left on the deal, Dan, he allows these guys to sign a 10-year extension. And then two weeks later, the NFL goes into TV negotiations and signs, you know, billions more. Okay. So how much money did they leave on the table for oh, one? Billions. And the other thing is, and then you and then you hear deep, you know, whispers that, oh, you know, I might be coming to the end and might be ready to walk away. Hell yeah, you are, because you sold the freaking players out. You probably got a little kickback because you're Goodell's little lap dog, you know. Now, I you can't be mad at the NFL because they know what they're doing too. Who did they go after? They didn't go after the top third of players in the NFL and say, hey, we're gonna give you more money. The majority of they pl- of the players they realize are on the bottom half. Hey, That's let's right. get a practice squad, guys. You know, let's kick them up some money. Yep. Let's kick the, the 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 bottom, you know, 10%, you 
you know, on the active roster, a little more money. And what did he, they knew right away that if the players have to vote for an extension on the CBA and they give them these carrots, they dangle these carrots, the dumbass players don't realize that, you know what, hey, they don't know what's really going on. So they vote, they get a 10-year deal. The majority of those players who signed and voted for that, guess what, they, they will be out of the league before this CBA runs out. So the owners now have a nine-year window to collude any way that they want. And the players and the, and the union have no recourse whatsoever, you know, to go back and renegotiate a CBA because the CBA is locked in because of what Marie Smith did. I, I just, I thought that was appalling to me that he would, you know, that he would take that deal. Absolutely appalling. I got one last question for you here before we close up here, Seth. Can you, in your heart, with a guy who had one year, one exceptional year, and Jalen Hurts, one year, we've had three different opinions on him, Seth. First, it was this. Shitty pick. The, the first year starting, it was, maybe we need a new guy. That's why we got two ones in his previous April draft. He panned out to have a great year. You give him all that money like you gave Wentz with limited amount of sample size. In your opinion, does one year make a guy elite in your eyes? To say that you call Jalen Hurts an elite quarterback, can you say that with only one season of play that call him an elite player? Well, let me ask you a question. Who's elite? When you look at the NFL, who's elite? I think the guy of, in Cincinnati. Of the, of, the best, of the best quarterbacks that's left now that Brady's gone, who's elite? Mahomes. I would say Burrow, two AFC title games in a row. Super Bowl two, conference title. Um, most of them after that are on ability and not resume. And people look at Allen and they look at Herbert. And to some extent, even the guy in Baltimore having more, more talent than Jalen Hurts. And the resumes might be a little – well, the money too. And again, the money sometimes clouds it because the guy in Arizona is not a $46.1 million guy. So I think sometimes when people line that up, Seth, they go, well, he got the money. He must be elite. That don't make you elite. How well, do you look I at that? How do you look at that word, Seth? Elite is hard because, in my opinion, there's only been okay in the last three years two elite quarterbacks. Yeah, I, I think that I think that Burrow is trending towards elite. Okay, and people will say the, the thing about Hurts. Oh my gosh, I see it on social media. Oh my god, he he got all these weapons. You know, he has no other choice but to be as good as he is. What kind of bullshit is that? You act, people act like Joe Burrow doesn't have great weapons. Shall I go down the list of the weapons that the guy has? Higgins, and, Jamar and, Chase. And, and he's a football savant with all of these great weapons around him. You know, if they would just get him an offensive line, he'd be unstoppable. Okay. So, in my opinion, Brady's been elite. Mahomes has been elite. All these other young guys, you know, they haven't. They haven't done it enough. They haven't done it long enough 
they haven't done it consistently enough for us to say that they're elite, you know? So I, I, I don't understand, you know, Jalen Hurts has accomplished something that, you know, um, Allen, Lamar Jackson, and Herbert um, and Herbert haven't even come close to. Neither one of them taking their team to the Super Bowl, okay? And people will come up with all these excuses for, you know, why Hurts got there and all these guys didn't. But the facts are the facts. The same way, you know, when the team uh, an offense has success, the quarterback gets most of the credit. When a team doesn't have success, the quarterback should get most of the most of the criticism, you know, for all the talent and all the all the the wealth of talent that Josh Allen has had around him. Come on, man. And I know you got to go through Mahomes. I get it. Okay. But you were right there twice and you couldn't get over the hump. Okay. So when you're talking about Hurts and the money, you know, that you've given, he's a different animal, man. He's he's a different animal because he is nothing like Carson Wentz. You know, Carson Wentz was the most insecure, egotistical, you know, guy that the Eagles made a mistake in signing him to an extension one year too early. And I said at the time, what do you have to lose? You know, the guys coming off all these injuries and whatnot, you 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 bent. And you got rid of Nick Foles to make sure that he felt like he was the guy, you know, let him play out the last year, you know, and let's see what happens. But they gave him the money. And when they gave him the money, that made this, that made the situation even that much worse, you know? So, you know, when you look at Jalen hurts, you got to consider, I, I posted on Twitter today, a, uh, a video um, that this guy put up and it talked about, you know, it, it showed Jalen back at Alabama going through what he went through and Stephen A chopping him up on first take, you know, and it went all the way through to where he is now. Okay. And I've been saying this all along. If there was a guy in the draft that was built and um and made for Philadelphia. Is Jalen Hurts because all you got to do is look at all the things that he's been through and look at how he's wired. You know, people say, well, you know, the, the jury's still out. We don't know. The guy's done nothing, you know, but continually got better everywhere that he was. Yeah, he went to Alabama. He had a good year. Then he stumbled. Okay. Tua came in, took his job, give him a lot of credit for staying there. Most players would have jumped in the portal and been gone. Okay. He stays. And because he stays, Alabama wins another national championship or gets back to the national championship that second year. Okay. Then it's like, okay, two is the guy. So if I want to play at the next level, I need to transfer. I got to get out of here. He goes to Oklahoma. And in one season, one season, Lincoln Riley took a guy that everybody said couldn't throw the ball. Okay, and he comes in second in the Heisman with what 38 plus 100 yards passing, 35 plus touchdown passes, 
another 1,200 yards rushing, another 20 rushing touchdowns, okay? And then he gets to the Eagles. He still has his passion def passing deficiencies because that leap from the from the college game to the pro game is so, you know, huge, you know. But over time, what has he done? You know, he, he, his second, his first year as a starter, a little rocky. What does he do? He goes out to California, gets with Tom House, works on all his mechanics and whatnot. Comes back this year. He's a Pro Bowl quarterback. Takes his team you know, to the Super Bowl. What else do you want? The guy's trending upwards. Now, is he elite? I won't say he's elite just because I don't think he's done it long enough. But is he is he trending towards elite? Absolutely. If he's not a top five quarterback, I don't know who the hell is. Absolutely. Hey, Seth, thank you so much, dude. I mean, I, by the way, man, I'm going to be coming back east a couple times this year because we got a brand new home. The King of Prussia with the Hooters there too. And so we'll be doing stuff with with the people at Oceans as well. I can't wait to see you again, man. It's gonna be awesome to see you. Thank you so much, my friend. It's an honor being friends with you, man. Thank you, my friend. We'll see you soon. You got it, man. Hey, listen, make sure you catch up with me when you're in um when you're in Philly. I'll have you come in the studio. You can be my guest on my uh, on the Seth Jordan show one week. Absolutely, man. I'll Absolutely. give you a heads up the week before that, all right? Perfect. Will Thank do. you, Seth. I appreciate okay, it, brother. Have a great day, it. my friend. Take care. That is the great Seth Joyner. All right, folks, do me a favor. Please hit the like button. We so appreciate when he comes on, man. I love listening to him. Just absolutely great. Xander, we thank you. Big Joe, we thank you. Tone, you're kicking ass as always. You know how much I love you, man. Till tomorrow, 3 to 6. We shall see you on the flip side. Stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV. Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Go passionately. Go Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.